Hell is overflowing and Satan is sending his dead to us. didn't build it. He took it. He out here while we're slumming it up. Oh, yeah, buds. <laughs> if you want my body and you think I'm sex. No. That's no, no. oh, sorry. I'm yeah. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Welcome back, friends, to the Joe Blow Horror Show, where we review, rate, discuss, and break down horror movies, not horror films. Except the last few episodes, we were we were reviewing horror films. I think we're going to start reviewing horror movies again. So welcome back to our Summer of the Dead series where we are going and reviewing all of the Romero Dead films. And the 1990 remake for sure. But I don't know about that Don 04 remake, Tibu. That one. <laughs> yeah. If you guys are listening to that already, yeah, good luck. Long story short, I had a brand new computer, Mr. Uh, uh, well, haven't introduced the guest yet, but it took a swim in a lake with that episode on it. So that episode is, hopefully it can get pulled from the, uh, from the hard drive. So we, we, might be, we might be missing our, well, you never know. You never know. We'll just have to see. We are joined by a very, very special guest. He is the, I believe, if I did my research right, the great, 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 great-grandchild of William Wallace. Uh, he is also known to have drank 37 Guinnesses uh, in, I think it was 90 minutes. 
He is the oh. busiest podcaster in the land. I believe on his feed, there's close to a thousand releases. This is Mr. Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs. Hello, good sir. Could you imagine being the plumber that had to go into the toilet and fix it after all those Guinnesses? <laughs> that, is, that is a bathroom I want to avoid, ladies and gents. Uh, it is absolutely my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Um, this, could, this could be fun. This is, I don't often get to chat about Romero. I don't often get to chat about zombie movies. And I've never reviewed this movie on any podcast. So um, when you get as long in the tooth as I am and you get those little surprises, it makes for an exciting buzz coming into a show. Awesome. Well, as everybody knows, this is our, I don't know what installment of it, but tonight we are going to be reviewing Diary of the Dead. So I hope you guys are ready. We're going to get into this as well. We've done a lot of research with this and I know Duncan's a master, so he is going to be coming with the heat. So, (laughs) I mean, what do you say, man? Are you ready to get this going or what? Um, I was born ready. I was born 100% ready to do anything. Um, you just you give me the nod, you tell me what I'm talking about, and I'm good to go. <laughs> although, 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 you had to go with Diary, didn't you? You had to go with Diary. And, I mean, Land of the Dead is where it's at, man. Oh, yeah, uh, yep. Uh, I, I suppose I suppose the, the jig is up here. The, the last couple <laughs> guests we got pretty good. You should have seen the face on Venom when, when we got him the wrong movie. He was like trying to pull it up. He was like, well, I was getting ready to start playing that on my computer. <laughs> so we are going to be doing like, Land of the Dead. Mm-hmm. I do need to chime in real quick, though, because you never introduced me either. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's, it's weird. I'm not used to podcasting when this, when it's, I think Duncan's over there somewhere and you might as well be on, on the moon. I mean, you're, you're a ways away from us and it's weird. It's the sun's out here and we've got beers and we're podcasting and it's, you know, it's late over there. So everything, but yeah, obviously with us as always is Mr. Tibu. Sorry for, uh, sorry, not sorry, I guess. Taking, taking, taking old T-Boo for granted, eh? I see how it is. <laughs> Fuck that fucking gnarly Cajun and his nasty hobbit feet. Fuck him. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's, it's, it's great as always to be here. I'm very excited. And I'm, I'm, I had looked up, um, podcast under, under the stairs as well. And was kind of like, holy shit. There's according to the feed i saw 977 releases in that feed and i'm like when you said you've never even covered this movie i mean it's not impossible but it's insane (laughs) that you've done so much work and you never touched on on this one i haven't either to to be fair Mm -hmm. but i haven't i'm not nearly as prolific not nearly um this is awesome i think yeah the thing i think the thing is I, i i only ever did one episode um on Romero and it was the original three and mm-hmm. I've, I think the only other Romero movie that we've covered in the entire back catalogue might be Bruiser I think um but nothing nothing else by 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 the great man um it was like like collaboration stuff that he did like um Two Evil Eyes or something like that so yeah the, the kind of back like the, he obviously had his original Dead trilogy everything beyond that is part of the Dead universe I've I've never never covered mostly because I always get the fear 
Uh, it's been years since I've seen Land of the Dead. I saw it when it first came out and then like never went back to it. So this is like only, I think, maybe the second potential of the third time I've seen it. Um, and Diary of the Dead I saw once. And uh, less said about that, the better. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, like it's, it's one of those things where there's so many movies to talk about, so many like uh, roads you can go down. But... I don't know, Romero's one of these guys that they had that sacred three for me. Um, and obviously, like, things like Martin and all the rest. But, you know, like, when it comes to, like, the dead movies, I always get a bit nervous about talking about them because they are so prolific. Even Land of the Dead, like, if you go online and do any sort of research at all, it still scores really high compared to some of the, the other zombie movies that came out in or around the time. So um, I don't necessarily think I'm going to be bringing like canny you know like off the beaten track commentary on the movie but at the same time it's one of these ones that when the opportunity comes up and you get a chance to sit down with two prolific lads like yourself and chat about some zombie movies i will do that gents i will do i will do that and when you told me that we could drink on air and swear i mean (laughs) it felt like i was home just make sure you got your swear jar court close that's that's the point of this whole thing too is uh both both boss tuna and i he being the the major zombie fan and me being the uh the the i guess wide-eyed or doe-eyed walking into it like oh zombie movies you know i mean i've seen all the big but all the quote-unquote big ones especially uh um in my of my age range um whenever they were coming out like 28 days later dawn of the dead remake and Shaun of the dead stuff like that but to go back watch the classics uh one of which i grew up with being night but land same Mm. for me this is a first time watch since it first came out back in 05. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you and, and we're doing this whole series to get through Romero's zombie body of work, man. And you know, the whole time, if every time we cover one of these movies, I can't help, but just get this insane thirst. Mm. Like it just springs forth this. Mm. It's not, it's not a blood thirst though. <laughs> I think I, I I think I think we need to go somewhere. I think we need to go somewhere where everyone knows thirst. our name and everyone's yeah, glad we yeah. came. Just follow Travis. You're you're man in the wheel here on this Winnebago. Just follow those bikers. I, I see a bar up ahead. Uh, let's step in and 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 wet our whistle, shall we? All right, so I shouldn't have worn sweatpants tonight because Salma Hayek is just tearing it up behind the bar there. So I'm gonna go ahead and sit down. Uh, I'll let I'll let Tibu you go first here. You order your beer. Uh, once I once I calm down a minute here, I'll I'll, I'll head up next, and uh, we got Mr. McLeish finishing us off. Well, I've got something that's um, brewed for the fall. I had. I had this company um, last episode, actually. This is um, St. Arnold from Texas. This is a Texas microbrew. The uh, St. Arnold being the patron saint of brewers. I don't know if that's can- canonical, if that's even a word. I think it is. <laughs> but this is their Oktoberfest. It it's, it's full-bodied and malty, according to the can. Um, I've, I've cracked one already. I can say it's, it's pretty damn good. Not the best um, Oktoberfest beer I've had, but... This company has been knocking it out of the park. And as you can see 
he's like kind of like giving praise to a little symbol of Texas on here with his Pope hat on the can. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Not from Texas, by the way, um, Louisiana. But cheers. Cheers, mate. Duncan, do you want to uh, do you want to go next there, bud? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm representing the 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 homeland here. I'm on uh, I'm on the brew dog tonight, um, and they have a special line of uh, they're kind of doing a reimagining of their Hazy Jane at the moment, um, and they've just released Hazy Jane Peach, which Ooh. has uh, which has this lovely kind of just a kind of aftertaste of peach on it. Um, I'm I, I, a big fan of Brewdog. Um, kind of supported them since they started, and it's weird to see them now. Like they've got like hotels in America and Australia now, and it's like it's all become very, very big. And I'm a hipster that says, you know, I, I bought their beer when it was just like a small brewery up the road. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm chasing that up with um, a whiskey uh, and keeping it whiskey without the e, which means it's Scottish. Um, and for those that don't know, that's the difference. There's only two countries in the world that can claim to use whiskey without an E in the spelling, and that is Japan and Scotland, and it's because Japan uh, distills their whiskey the same way that the Scots do. Um, so I'm on a Dalwhinny 15-year-old, um, and it is fucking lush. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm done with again, gents. A 15-year-old Dalwhinny. Okay. Dalwhinny. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's not as abrasive as the stuff that I usually drink. I'm a, an oily whiskey man, which uh, means it's heavily peated. And without going into, like, whiskey talk where the whiskey nerds get boners, uh, listen to me talk about peat. Uh, and basically, uh, for, to describe what peated whiskey tastes like, it's like drinking a bonfire. Um, it's like a really <laughs> smoky, like, really smoky, ashy taste. And I love that shit. This is a bit mellower but um i didn't want to make an absolute tit of myself on a zoom call so i'm keeping it sensible <laughs> you know i i do dabble in the whiskey i'm more of a bourbon guy because Love i bourbon yeah i'm i'm you know kind of I'm, I'm a little bit of a bitch when it comes to that i i don't like that really oaky those heavy aggressive flavors i'm a little bit more yeah. of a, give me this sweet sour mash but i'll i'll, I'll try everything once so yeah, I'd, I'd like there's a there's a thing about there's a thing about uh, bourbon as well where it, it translates well over here. Like um, I'd like I, I love I love a good bourbon like um, like a Maker's Mark or something like that goes down nice for me. So um, there was a, there was a bit of a scare a couple of years ago as well where they were they were basically saying that the uh, I think uh, your former president and our current prime minister were having a bit of a disagreement and it looked like the price of like just in general, spirits from America were going to go up, and I'll be honest, as the the like like there could be like famine, there could be like forest fires and all the rest. <laughs> you 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 raise the price of my whiskey, you raise the price of my bourbon. That hits me in the feels, man. That really hits me. In the, like I like you would have thought, you would have thought I'd like my family had left me and stuff. My face was like thunder for about a month and a half until things got sorted out. So. I'm glad that things are back on the straight and narrow. I'm, and we can I'm work glad you were together. still able to enjoy your 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 spirits. So, yeah, fucking Trump yeah. was over here like those Scottish people are not going to keep getting drunk off of our whiskey. We have an <laughs> E in it, everybody. We have an E. It's a tremendous <laughs> E. We've got, we've got an e. a great E, the greatest ever. You're yes, lucky to have it. Time. We'll give it to you at a cost, but you're gonna have to pay for it. <laughs> uh, okay, so rounding out the uh, round here, I so. I believe I might have had this on the show before a long time ago. 
and I've got other ones, but I grabbed this and I had to pair it because, uh, well, it's Reunion Brewing. It's called a Cacao del Diablo. So this oh, is an Imperial Mole Stout. And I got this in honor of my boy, because Mole and Cholo, Molo, Cholo, Cholo, uh, oh, yeah. Don Leguizamo, my opinion, greatly underrated actor. I fucking love him. He's my favorite. In, uh, yep. My favorite in the uh, movie. So I got this for my boy, uh, Cholo. So um, I remember it's a spicy. Oh, yeah. She's thick, too. Pour that boy. Yeah, I'm going to have to go grab a, a serving spoon here to eat this. So I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> Black as Satan's asshole. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Those are my favorite kinds of beers are the, the darker, like Guinness, like you said earlier. Yeah. I love Guinness. Um, and any any kind of coffee stout. I like the coffee-infused mm. um, brews. But I couldn't find any. My 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 uh, resources are often limited because I work on the road, so I kind of have to go with what's near me. Um, yeah. Whenever I pair the beers with the podcast, so it is what it is. Fuck it though. Yep. Uh, delicious. It, it's it's uh, uh, another delicious beer. We have another excellent guest on for another great show. Cheers, boys. Mm. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this about the titty twister, Mr. Duncan, but shit gets unruly here after a certain hour. So we're going to get out of here before shit gets real. But before we hop into this review, I have a couple of things I wanted to say. First off, check out Duncan's show, the podcast under the stairs. Uh, I've said it before, uh, but I'm going to say it on here. This whole summer of the dead series was inspired by Duncan and the podcast under the stairs. He does excellent, excellent work with what's called the summer series. Make sure you go and check it out. It just wrapped up uh, about a week or so ago. Um, I had the honor of being part of the People's Council again. So probably my favorite, you know, I don't even know what you'd call it, episodes in, in podcasting ever. So uh, one of the very first horror podcasts I ever got into was a podcast under the stairs. So make sure you go check it out. Uh, and when I was saying the busiest podcaster out there, the amount of work he puts in, not only just on all of his shows, but on that one alone is, is beyond impressive. So uh, again, I want to uh, welcome and thank you for joining us. Also, he has a new baby, so I want to say congrats uh, to that as well. I forgot at the top of the show. Congratulations. So not only is he giving one of his nights, especially during October, which is the busiest probably month in favorite month for all of us horror nerds, he's also got a, what, one month or something, two month old kid that. Dead, like, even like three weeks. Yeah. Holy yeah. moly. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Wow. So, awesome. I want to say thanks for joining us again here. So, yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I can't. Cannot stress enough how humbled I am to be here. As this is like at the beginning, just that like you get you, you get those those giddy feelings when you know a show is going to be great, um, and I've got them right now. So uh, it's going to be a good one, guys. This is oh. it's one for the books. One for Fuck the yeah, book. man. All right. Well, as soon as I can get my right hand out of my pocket, we'll get this started. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch! I just got me just right there. <laughs> Brewdog does not taste nice coming out your nose. <laughs> <laughs> he's, snort he's shooting whiskey snorters over there. They're coming to get you, Barbara. The unburied dead 
are coming back to life and seeking human victims. We don't know how many of them there are. Do you think we'll be able to defeat these things? We don't really know. nothing there, man. They're communicating. They're thinking. George A. Romero's Land of the Dead. Zombies, man. Creep me out. Okay, so for the feature review, we will be stuffing in your guys' ear holes tonight. It is 2005's Land of the Dead. We are not doing uh, Diary or Survival just yet. So stay tuned for those. But this one is rated R, coming in in about 93 minutes. Obviously, this is written and directed by Sir George A. Romero. I don't know if, if, if the UK has knighted him or not yet, posthumously. No, and you guys he's got to be from there. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a letter or something. So. But, <laughs> I'll never so, accept um, his Philly stank ass. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think um, if you guys would just bend the knee and become oh. part of the con- colonies again, I think a knighthood would be oh, forthcoming. Man. Oh, shit. Uh, that was, yeah. it's easy there's an easy way back in guys right we will forgive you the, you know, the, the, the whole the whole tea thing in the bay we'll oh, forgive man. you that right if you forgive us the burning of your white house oh man my, my coffee alone is gonna is gonna I'll, I'll just throw coffee beans at you get off my lawn <laughs> we're gonna just send we're just gonna send clint eastwood over there and we'll we'll settle this yeah, he'll just he'll just garn at me and talk to an empty chair. Remember when he did that? That was fun. He'll um, be like, <laughs> "Hey, America!" He talks to a chair. Yeah, I know it's the best. Uh, so one, crazy, so crazy. One thing that we like to do is have a little fun. Uh, we go Price is Right rules. Um, I know on the other side of the globe, you're probably familiar with that. So if you yep. if you haven't looked it up already, we're gonna take a guess. What do you guys think this got on IMDb for the IMDb rating? Ooh. Uh, well, the, uh, okay. I haven't looked this movie up one iota as far as research goes or anything. I don't even really know how well received it is in the horror community, to be honest, M- mainly because it doesn't get talked about all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it does, it tends to be kind of it, people like it or they don't. IMDb rating, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's Romero. I'm going to give it a, like a 6.2. That's where I think it's at. What about you, Don? Uh, mm, yeah, uh, like I said, in, in my in my uh, research online to see how well it's just it is relatively well received. Uh, but I, I get the feeling that it's one of those um, it's one of those things where it'll de- depreciate in value because people will always go back to you know the the, the big three, so to speak. So I'm going to go in a little bit lower. I'm going to see maybe about five point. Nine. Five nine. Well, uh, I wish Drunk Darius was here again to call you out on your bullshit, T-Boo, because you got that spot on. 
No. Six on no. the money. <laughs> no. Six on the money. This has only happened like this has only happened like once or twice before. I swear no. I did not look this up. Um, I swear. We'll give we'll give Duncan the first shot here with the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. So IMDb Ooh. is user. We're going critic score for Rotten Tomatoes. Percentage. Percentage. Um, I mean, I I imagine people are. It's, it's Romero before Romero became a bit too cynical for people. I imagine critics saw the message in here of which there is a a very nice social message for 2005 post the, the you know the invasion of Afghanistan I'm going to say going to say 67% 67 okay Tibu? well I like what he just said based on like uh, I guess what would be some of the the thematic subtext of the movie I didn't put that together because well I'm not in 05 anymore and I Back in 05, I was, I don't fucking know, like 15. I don't even know. Um, Math is hard. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, uh, I was. I was 15. I was graduating um, college, but all right. Yeah, you're old. Uh, I'm older, so let's 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 move away from the the, the age chat, please. please. <laughs> oh shit, man! Look, I feel I feel I feel myself like you that that gif of Matt uh, Matt Damon at the end of. Uh, <laughs> Was it the is it thin red line? Maybe. Um, oh, oh like Ryan. Yes, even I feel like that right now. Like you guys are talking about your age a lot, and I just feel myself like the wrinkles <laughs> are starting to come in, the hair's turning white, the face is puffing out. Let's move on. Yeah, he's yep. about to break down by a grave and start crying. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Uh, okay, sixty-eight percent. He said or something. I'm gonna go Seven? fucking. He yeah, said 67. I'm going to go 68 since it's You know you want to go 69. Just say it. Yeah. I do. 69%. Let's go. <laughs> you guys are still short. Um, what? But you didn't bust. It's 74%. Yeah. I was shocked. Jeez, I was shocked. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think like, the, the, in terms of like messaging, like Romero tends to do quite well with critics who enjoy like kind of social commentary, especially social political stuff. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I would have thought the time period that it came out, things weren't like specifically, like I say, with the, the kind of themes it's dealing with in 05 yet, everyone hadn't quite said, you know, this whole war thing is bad. Um, you know what I mean? Like, we're, like everyone was still kind of like, yeah, there's weapons of mass destruction. That's why we're here. Um, so it, it does it does surprise me, but it doesn't at the same time. Yeah. Any, like any any critics giving love to Romero makes me happy. So if it's higher, that's better. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say I was a little surprised myself because you're right in what you're saying as far as the reception with this. Mm. Overall, I think it is decently uh, recepted fairly well, but I would say the the negative. Well, that's probably true in anything. The negative ones are always yeah. going to you know cover up the uh, the other. But I mean, I was kind of surprised, honestly. I was expecting this because I mean, Day of the Dead to some is the pin pinnacle, and then you're you're just starting a downward spiral right there. Yeah, at that point, so. It, it makes sense that this one's not going to be too far of a drop off. But when I was looking at these numbers, I was kind of surprised. I think there was 179 critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, that, that's, that's quite a bit for it to still get that yeah. 74%. So yeah, but, that's pretty solid. Yep. Yep. 
Um, okay, let's get into the budget. Any idea what the budget is? Uh, let's go Tibu first. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, like, first time watching this in 05, back then, I don't really know why, but I watched this movie and was like, this is very plain. This is very generic looking, blah, blah, blah. Looking at it now, wow, the production quality is really high uh, to my eyes. Like, it's really well shot. The set pieces look really cool. Even if they're computer generated, which I'm sure some of them have to be, they still look really fucking convincing. So he had to have had some really good people working for him. Man, I don't want to lowball this movie, but I'm not, I'm not going to be good at this because it's 05 and, and me for budget, budgetary shit in 05 is hard to gauge for me. I'm going to hmm. say somewhere around 15. No, he had Dennis Hopper and John Leguizamo. <sighs> 20 million, 20 million for the budget. Duncan, uh, so I know it's shot in Canada. That's the, the, yep. the one of those like details where I, w- I would go a bit lower. But I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on this one. Like the, there is names here. I, I mean, they're not the biggest names in the world in 2005. But Dennis Hopper still, I imagine, carries a bit of clout. I mean, like even even post Waterworld, it still carries a bit of clout. Um, <laughs> Maybe 17, 18, probably. I'll just go split a different 17 and a half. Duncan wins. Tibu, you should have stuck with your gut at 15 million. Oh, shit. Was it 15 million? million. Yeah. (laughs) No, Duncan was right on. It was shot. It was originally, that was not the, uh, Romero did not want it. He wanted to shoot it in in Pennsylvania, like, you know, all the other movies. But the producers kind of stepped in, and due to budgetary reasons, they shot it just outside of uh, Toronto. So, um, but yeah, made obviously. me jump up that extra five million was the fact that you get Bowser and Luigi reunited again on, on <laughs> yeah, camera. Yeah. I, w- I was like, this is the fucking best. Yeah, I mean, you get just a couple gems coming back for a reunion. Yeah, in a gem of a movie. So. Mm. yeah uh 15 million budget we'll get into well i guess let's what do you think this did domestic and worldwide uh probably poorly i don't know better i'm sure it made its money back um it had to have at least worldwide worldwide i'll go if it was on a budget of 15 million and yeah fuck man 40 i'll just double some money and give it a little bit more 40 million dollars Okay. What about domestic? I don't fucking know. Probably didn't even make its budget back. If it di- if it did, I'll be blown away. I'm not going to lie because I don't remember this being a big movie back in 05 compared to everything else coming up around it. This yeah. movie actually, to me, went under the radar back then. And the only reason I knew about it because I, I knew at least who Romero was back then. And I was following bloodydisgusting.com back then. So mm. I don't know domestic fucking $10 million, let's just say. Duncan? What are your guesses? Um, yeah, once again, this man speaking truth to power. Um, I, I like. I don't even know if this made a splash over here. Um, I remember. I remember going to see it at the cinema, but I can't remember. I can't recall it being like a packed theater. You know what I mean? I can't remember like opening day. Was like, gotta go and see that new Romero. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I think a good draw of thumb uh, internationally is usually. To double it and add a little bit more, um, so I th- we'll go forty-five um, for the 
for kind of international. I mean, double add, you know, add an extra ten on top of that, and then yeah, like forty five seems seems about right. Uh, domestically, uh, I don't know if zombie fatigue had set in by two thousand and five because you aren't quite a you've not had things like Zombie Land or Walking Dead by then, but you have had the remake and you've had. 28 days later. So I imagine they're still relatively popular. Um, let's go on budget. Let's let's go 15 million. Okay. Uh, so makes 15 million domestically and say 45 internationally. So I was less surprised with this because I mean in a minute we're gonna get into our you know first time we saw this movie kind of thing. But I remember this for me at least being kind of a big deal and people talking about it a little bit. So this did actually 20.7 million domestic. So almost wow. 21 million worldwide, right. 47 million. Duncan, you were pert near spot on there. So yeah, it's, and you're right though. It's coming off the heels of a very successful Don 04 in this really yeah. spring of 05. So, you know, a year later, I, I think people were also too typical Romero, you know, taking, what 20 years or whatever the hell what it was 85 <laughs> to 2005 or something in yeah. between his movies so you're gonna get you know all the blue hairs coming out that are still supporting him plus you know the mm -hmm. zombie nerds and everything else and and we were kind of right in that craze of of you know i, I do think we were a little bit before the zombie fatigue part because in my yeah. opinion 28 days later in 2002 really kind of kick-started it and then we had a few good strong years and i think this is at the tail end of end of that i would say yeah at the very tail end i don't think it picked back up until probably 09 until what you're saying was um um zombie uh friggin oh god bless it you just said it zombie land zombie land, zombie land. yeah zombie zombie land gets interesting and then the serious kind of zombie movies don't really kick back in until like the battery so yeah. it's like 20 what's that 2012 2013 yeah and then yeah. there's like kind of re renewed interest again even though that's not a big movie it got like the horror fans kind of all amped up that zombie movies were cool again so yeah. um no that's i mean that hey listen like romero struggles for for a guy but he's, he's he's one of the most tragic figures um when when you look at like the the talent the contracts he signed, which he didn't get the money that he should have, the mm -hmm. movies that he wanted to make that no one would back, and had they, they would have done well. Um, I mean, this movie's infamously part of the original kind of ideas and conceptions for Day of the Dead, which no one would yeah. no one would finance at all, um, and he has to wait like that amount of time to, to get it back. But um, you know, like he's, he is like I always look at him as like this kind of I don't know why this kind of sad, tragic figure, and I, I probably shouldn't because he never bitched and moaned about anything. But it, it, to me, it always kind of felt horrible that the guy had to physically make another dead movie in order for people to be like, "Oh yeah, we'll finance that." Oh, but here are all the caveats around that: you can't do the script you want, you can't shoot in the location you want, you have to do it here, you have to do it there. But I think you're right. I think there's like there's zombie craze, but on top of that zombie craze as well, the idea, like I'd forgotten that the remake was 04. I thought it was 03. So you're coming right off the back of, you know, this bitching zombie movie that you saw. It was really great. Well, the original was done by this guy who's got a movie coming out next year, which yeah. is, you know, this big... So yeah, I, I mean, I, like for, for me, like I remember it like not being big over here, but I, like Scotland is a tiny country 
compared to the rest of the world. Um, I imagine the, the two places that you are right now, gentlemen, your states have higher populations than Scotland. Um, so just to put well, things I'm in, in the Iowa, context. So maybe Louisiana might. Iowa's pretty, pretty... Five million people in Scotland. So five million? I think you've got... Yeah, five million. I think, I think I've done this before, so I think Iowa's got more. Uh, I, th- so. I think Scotland's got Louisiana beat, though. Oh, yeah. I think we have. I, I think we have less than five million. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, we might have five million alligators, but yeah, we do. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do. Fuck that. Fuck. Yeah. See, let, let me just let me just get this off my chest. I mean, people, I, I moan about the weather over here. People, oh, it's so miserable in Scotland and all the rest. Let me just like say, it's miserable, but the trade-off to miserable weather is. No venomous animals, no venomous insects, no man-eating creatures. It's all too fucking cold. None of that shit here. We don't get earthquakes, typhoons, hurricanes. Like, none of that shit because it's miserable. Yes, it's a glum, horrible, grey, dark, angry little place in the world. But, like, the only thing that can kill us is alcoholism. Right, that is literally it. That's like, and we're, we're, trust me, we're very good at that. <laughs> we're, yeah, very, yeah. we're very good at that. So, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Americans are following suit. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> boys. Um, okay, we're going to get – go ahead, Tibu. No, yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say was first first time watching. I mean – Not yet. We got to get uh, through a couple uh, – let, let's just chat about a couple of the characters we had talked about. This oh, is okay. starring John Leguizamo – I, I love John Leguizamo. Um, truth be told, Tibu, you stole my thunder a little bit, you little you, you cunt. I, I, I can well, call you a cunt because I love you. That's that's what Duncan said. Oh, that's the secret now? Yeah, okay. Um, yes. So, yeah, John Leguizamo, you stole my thunder. I Okay, maybe it's nostalgia, but as a kid, I remember renting Super Mario Brothers like 50 fucking times. I fucking that, love that movie. That shit was my jam. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's so bad and so dumb now. Yeah, for some yeah. reason, I always get um, the fifth element and talk about two movies to get, <laughs> to get fucking mixed up. We're not mixed up, but I always think fifth element and, and uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers would be a good double feature. <laughs> I just want to see. I want to see Chris Tucker Ruby running around fucking Mushroom <laughs> Kingdom or whatever the fuck that shit is. And the the under- oh no, no, oh no, yeah, <laughs> it would be amazing. Oh man, so yeah, swinging it back around. John Leguizamo, he played Cholo. This guy is actually pretty busy. He's only like fifty some years old, but he's got one hundred fifty nine film credits. Some of his horror credits are Spawn, uh, The Happening, Super Mario, um, and then. Probably most notable recently for John Wick. Fucking love John Wick. Mm-hmm. Aurelio. Oh, man. That's right up my alley. Uh, Asia or Asia Argento. She played Slack. She is there, – there's a lot uh, – man, you can get deep conversation with, with between the Argentos and Romeros. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit with Dawn of the Dead. But obviously she's Dario Argento's daughter. Uh, I would say Duncan would be the expert more on the Italian side. That's not really my forte. But she played Slack. She was in Demons 2, uh, The Church, Stendhal Syndrome, which was legit. Triple uh, X is not horror, but that, I feel, is where she kind of made her her mark in, in the U.S. I remember seeing that in the theater and being mm-hmm. like, oh, man, who's this chick? And then she was in Dracula 3D, uh, which is another – a lot of people, I don't think, realize that normal horror fans don't realize that Argento had his fingers in that. Wasn't he the writer or something, I think? 
He's he's no, he's a director. He's a director. Okay. And that movie, yes. It's the okay. last movie he directed, and that is the bitter taste that we all have in our mouth mm-hmm, when speaking mm-hmm. about Argento, because that movie has straight up the worst CGI in a horror movie ever. It's <laughs> yeah. as, as so bad. It's, it's so, yeah. so bad. It's been a minute <laughs> since I saw it, that's for sure. Uh, Simon Baker played Riley. Ironically enough, I was like, this guy doesn't have a lot of horror cred, but he he was in one episode of Tales from the Crypt in 1989. I was like, man, that's all right. I'll give it to you. He was like 20 years old. Uh, Red Planet, which guilty pleasure. I kind of I, mm. I kind of secretly love that movie. And then he was in Ring Two. Dennis Hopper as Kaufman. He um, this guy. Oh man, 206 film credits. He's he was in just a ton of. Outside of horror, I'm, I'm kind of a bit of a, uh, a Western nerd because of my grandpa. Uh, and he was in a shitload of Westerns back in the day. But as Duncan said earlier, he was in Waterworld. I think really the only true horror credit he was in would probably be uh, either Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, uh, I mean, he was in Queen of Blood with John Saxon, who was a friend of the show. Um, talked about a fucking gem. Uh, but he was in... Uh, Apocalypse Now, Super Mario, and then probably most notable to, to I would say the, the average cinephile would be uh, Waterworld and Speed. So, yeah, and Texas he's, he's great. Massacre he's, too. He was yeah. bringing it all down. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, he's, I, I mean, like to, to me, like if you ever want to, because the guy was like, guy was out his face on drugs, like to, for the majority of his career, this guy did more drugs than like people talk about oh, Rolling Stones and all the rest. They ain't got shit on Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper did all the drugs, right? All the fucking drugs. He was even on a fucking Gorillaz album. He was so much on drugs. He is insane. And if you ever want to see the closest portrayal of what Dennis Hopper on drugs must have been like, Blue Velvet by David Lynch. His performance Mm -hmm. in that is nightmare-inducing. Like, like, there's stories in the background of like Lynch casting him and then kind of almost being a bit scared about Dennis Hopper, like coming out, like Hopper demanded the role. He's like, I am this guy. I am <laughs> Frank Booth. I am Frank. And, and like, when you see him huffing on ether, like daddy wants to fuck. You're just like, oh, this is no, this is just the creepiest fucking shit ever. Amazing actor. Like, I, it's, it's so weird to see such a restrained Dennis Hopper in this movie because what I, like I, I hear he's in this movie where I went to see it. It was like, oh, kill, he's the guy that's leading the charge on the zombies, clearly. And you see him as this like kind of against yeah. cast businessman. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. It's, it's genius casting. It's genius casting. Yeah, I, I've, man, I've, I've seen Eraserhead a couple times. Um, I think he did Mulholland Drive, I believe. Yep. I, I can't get into those, those David Lynch. <laughs> You know, there's a couple, David Lynch and Jim Jarmusch. I can't get into their movies. I've not seen yeah. Blue Velvet. I mean, I, I will watch Blue Velvet's, yeah, Blue Velvet's really, it's, it's not as bonkers as all the other stuff, but like Blue Velvet starts with Kyle McLaughlin walking through, like walking back from like a hospital and walking through a field and finding a severed deer. Like, and you're just in the grass, he finds a severed deer and that yeah. takes him on this weird like mystery trip where he gets involved with like a, a club singer and Dennis Hopper's character, Frank Booth, who is this deranged fucking mob boss who carries around with him a canister full of ether and takes this and gets out of his fucking mind violent. 
It's um, it's really really dark. It's a movie he made after Dune, like because he made Dune for Disney. Without going like without going to the David Lynch cast here, like David Lynch is the most fascinating director ever. Like he like, he turned him doing, and this is a true story. He turned him doing Return of the Jedi. That's no joke. There is a one old that movie with. I will tell you what that movie looked like. It was Dune. <laughs> like that's that's yeah, why that yeah. never happened. Like um, you, you've got uh, what's his what's his tits that did? Uh, I can't remember his name. Star Wars. Uh, George, George. Lucas. George Lucas. Yeah, George Lucas. Yeah, George Lucas asked physically asked David Lynch to do Return of the Jedi, and David Lynch was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Instead, I will do this Disney adaptation of Dune, which is one of the I think his class is like one of the the worst movies of all time. I like it, but it's one of the worst movies of all time. And his career looked like it was dead. And then he came back with Blue Velvet, a movie which was so fucking extreme that it had to be cut in God knows how many countries. Monica Bellucci <laughs> gets right fucking ravaged throughout that entire movie. Um, and yeah, that was it. And at that point, his career was saved. So all he had to do was... Wow. Uh, so yeah, if you get a chance, it's not as bonkers, yeah. but it's right. like De- Dennis Hopper's performance alone is why you watch that movie. It's fucking right. terrifying. It that. might be the right amount of bonkers to get him into into some of the other Lynch films. Yeah, yeah. maybe. And like he does get weird. I'm not argue that. Like, you sit down and watch Mulholland Drive. Even I, I think the first four times I watched Mulholland Drive, I was like, I still don't know what's going on here. Like I still don't know if I like this movie. Yeah. Uh, like at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's. Worth your time, especially when you're sitting down to watch a two-hour movie. You know what I mean? Is that is, you know, do you want to be like four watches into it going? Do I like this? Yeah. Maybe the fifth watch will fix it. Oh, so. he, he got more <laughs> resolve than I do. I'll tell you that, man. So. <laughs> um, few other characters in here. Nothing too notable to, I guess, uh, get into. A uh, little bit of trivia on this one. I love this. Romero is a big fan of Shaun of the Dead, which really. It, it makes my heart happy. And he yeah. had Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright as zombies. Uh, if you remember, they were in the uh, the fo- photo booth. I think the photo booth zombies in that as well. Savini's character is back. I mean, they he's, he's kind of front and center with his machete. I think they call him Blade or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and well, I, I he, say, he said himself that that character is supposed to be actually the character from Dawn of the Dead. From Dawn he of the Dead, that. yes. Yep. Yep, Speedy's character, Dawn of the Dead, he's back. I mean, he's got the same thing. Same, uh, you know, biker jacket and everything as well, too. So, uh, a surprise to nobody, this is the first Romero Dead film to use digital effects, which, (sighs) if I've said it one time, Duncan, (laughs) I've said it a million fucking times, these movies need need practical. Um, Yeah, we we don't need fucking CGI blood splatter and shit. You know, I can there are some practical effects, though. Some pretty there are, cool shots. Yeah. Because, I mean, you had Nicotero and, and Savini yeah. on this. so uh, And I will – well, yeah, I guess I'll get into that in a second as well. Uh, <laughs> one, so this is, this is kind of funny. Uh, Dennis Hopper's cigar budget <laughs> costs more than the entire <laughs> budget of 1968 Night of Living Dead. So this kind of plays into <laughs> I'm glad you went on your little uh, uh, spiel there because I was like, oh, I can't wait till I say this. What yeah. in the fuck? 
Yep, yep. Dennis Hopper likes his cigars, and and he made sure. I don't think there was he getting them from God. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> there Christ. wasn't a scene in that movie where he didn't have a cigar or a glass of whiskey in his hand or whatever yeah. it was. That's the dream, man. That's the dream right there. Like, yeah, that's the dream. Right? like the dream is to be at that level of fame that when you do like a job on top of the pay that you're getting, you just get unlimited real whiskey and cigars. Yep. With no, without any. <laughs> without an e yeah no shit i i will say you know what since we're on this little uh, uh train here of dennis hopper so he had, he he died i think it was in like 2010 he was like 74 mm-hmm. so i mean that guy lived a pretty long life for the i mean the amount of drugs that he had oh done. god yeah 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 and yeah, yeah. One of the things too I saw that were was crazy was with all the film credit he has. He died in 2010. Normally, when an actor dies, there might be a movie or two that comes out after they died. He was having movies come out in 2015, 2016, 2018, and mm-hmm. I was reading that and I got I got the goosebumps. I'm like, this fucking guy, man. He's he's yeah he's you know he's dead. Hopper or die. Hopper is legend, bro. Yeah, either like what it was, it, it, consci- it was constantly working. Like he never like he wasn't one of these guys where you're like, I'm going to go away long enough that the audience will miss me. Yeah. He never left. He was like he was one of the hardest working actors, but he lived up to that status as one of the hardest working actors yeah. by being out his tits on drugs. So that's how you do that. Cocaine will get you through a lot of sets, a lot of movies a year. So <laughs> God yeah. bless that yeah. man. Yep. Oh, it's just a shame he. Well, yeah, I was gonna say if he would have popped in on a couple Scion Sono movies, he could have pumped out like another thirty movies in one year. Could you imagine? Could, could you, you imagine? Could you? Could you imagine Sion <laughs> Sono directing Dennis Hopper and It'd Nicolas be, Cage in one movie? Oh my God! Why didn't this happen? Why didn't this happen? Dude, <laughs> honestly, it'd be the, like there's like it would age you visibly. Hold on a second. Is Nicolas Cage the new Dennis Hopper? He is, yeah, oh. essentially, yeah. Minus, yeah. minus the drugs. Uh, minus yeah. the drugs. He's, although you would never know from looking at his performances. Um, right. <laughs> Do you see that story from, I want to say, like three weeks ago where he wandered into a club without shoes on, was all disheveled, went in, racked up a huge tab. Nobody knew who he was. He got kicked out of the, the bar because they didn't think he'd be able to play his tab, to pay his tab. And it was, it was Nicholas fucking cage. And there was like wow. a couple people took pictures and they're like, here's Nicholas cage stumbling around with those shoes on. Like what? He, he still got it. I read was that article New- and I'm like, he's still got it. Was it in new Orleans? Cause that's where, where he lives. Oh no. We shit. need, like, we need people like that. Like we, you, the, we need people like Nicolas Cage. Fuck yeah. You know I mean? like, we, we need them out there doing their thing. And it's tragic. I mean, he's, he, he will never pay off the debt that he has for all the houses that he bought before the economy crashed. So he's constantly going to, he has to, like, he's at this, he has to do, five, it's like speed, right? He has to do five movies a year, every year, or like he explodes as basically the deal is that it's the faustian pact he's signed into but like you might get on the thing about him is he's went past the bad stage now mm-hmm. like i have not seen a movie of his this year and i think i've seen three four maybe four movies that have come out this year with him against them that i was like that oh he's slumming it they've all been yeah. gold like that he's 
Like, I think directors now understand that if they give him a good script, he will perform as yep. opposed to all the other You hear that shit, through. Jerry Herring? Yep. You hear that? <laughs> you fuck. Uh, love you, Jerry. <laughs> love you. <laughs> Shout out to, to Jerry joining us on night 68. Did you hear that, Jerry? No, I, I tell you what, I think one of the one of the best things to bless us in the last couple of years is that he's just doing a shit ton of horror movies now. So fuck oh, God, yeah, yeah, man. I just saw Willy's Wonderland and and typically Travis and I don't tip our hands, but I'm just gonna give it go like this right here, but yeah, <laughs> it's so. on. It's on my thirty-one. It's on my thirty-one of October. Uh, oh, you haven't seen in the yet? middle. Okay. No, I've I've owned it since it came out. I bought it months and months and months ago, but I knew that was going to be a that's going to be a, a an October watch in and amongst it. And I'm hoping for. I'm hoping like because I heard some people moan about it and everything I was moaning about it was like that's what I want that movie to be. So if it is that, I'll be very happy. So for what it's worth, I I, I know we're going way off tangent here, but for what it's worth. I wasn't the biggest fan of Mandy. Um, I like it. I like oh, it. <laughs> but I saw this movie, and, and maybe it's because I went in, I'm like, oh, fuck. And I went in, and I, I finished it, and I'm like, oh, I, that was fucking awesome. Mandy nice. is the best. That's all I I'm going to say. I love Mandy. It's I the best. Much. All right, and we're Duncan gonna... are going to fucking jerk off over here. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. You like, five years. Get your hand through the camera and be <laughs> I'll fly to Scotland. I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, be handy. The sky. I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd fly to Scotland. Just be handy. Sure. Um, I mean, you got to. I don't, I don't, I don't think you guys know how far away Scotland is. <laughs> well, I'll swim to Scotland. I, when's the last time you had a stranger? I mean, come on. <laughs> what do they call an old fashioned? Yeah. I mean. But, I, mean, I usually have to lie on my arm until it falls asleep. I was going to so, say, you know they I mean? call it a, a numb lefty. No, it's That's an old-fashioned, yeah. Uh, oh, old-fashioned. We, we, we're, oh, Jesus. I don't know if we can really. We're in the weeds. We're, we're in the weeds. Thinking. We're thinking. Bring us back. <laughs> Pull us back last out, boss. The last two little bits that I have of, of uh, trivia are just some throwbacks to some zombies. So, um, I would say the more obscure one is Rickles. Um, we remember Rickles mm. from Day of the Dead. He was my favorite character in Day of the Dead. Just the the the, the maniacal laugh. Um, the joke we had last episode was that he looked like he was probably forty, but he was like twenty three in that movie. Um, yeah, Rickles. Just oh god, that guy. I, I get a smile on my face whenever I just think about him. Uh, but no, he was in the movie, um, not in the movie, but the guy that gets his head ripped off when they're playing cards, uh, when the zombies come around, uh, through the, uh, when they cross the river, uh, he had a Rickles tag on one though, that I caught right away was Bub, the Bub throwback, Bub, the zombie. He's the one that busts through when, when Cholo's getting the, the, um, champagne the bubbly yeah mm -hmm. looked like him he even had the collar on and everything so i thought that was really cool uh that bub made an appearance and maybe it really was Bub. you never know i did watch the director's commentary and oh, i don't believe a fucking word you say mr romero i'm gonna tell you that right now <laughs> because he's like oh none of these movies are related they're they're not related at all there's you know this and that blah blah they're all separate and you know i'm like hey you i don't know about that he, I, I, I kind of love that about him he's yeah. he's a he's a can he's a consistent flip-flopper and was for his and his whole career like some years he would say yeah i totally meant that ending 
of Night of the Living Dead as a racial statement, you know. And then other times like that, it was a total accident. I, it never even crossed my mind. And depending on what, in which decade he got interviewed, he would change that consistently. Um, and I like that. You know what? Yeah. I, I like I, I like the idea of directors fucking with people. You know what I mean? Like, what do yeah. you think? You know, I, I, I don't want all the answers always spelled out to me when I watch a movie. Um, it's why I get so frustrated every time I hear Ridley Scott talk about Blade Runner, and I'm like, oh, come on. Just let, let us let us just imagine he is maybe or isn't a replicant. Don't yeah. give us it. And he's like, yeah, I sure was always intended to, oh, fuck off. Yeah, you're right. That That's some of the most fun. And it's because it gets a bunch of nerds like us, and we get good conversation yeah. to, you know, because there's no right or wrong answer. Part of me is, is I do love the ambiguity. Uh, my favorite reference is The Void. Like, I don't give a fuck what that movie is about or how it ends or what it means. I just love it. But then yeah. on, on, you know, the, the, well, different side of that same coin, we just did our, our huge episode 50 on The Shining. And we are still <laughs> in our group chat talking about Stanley Kubrick. And part of me is like, I know he died years ago, but he's got like this little box that's in a, uh, in a bank somewhere. And someone's going to get a letter like five years from all that says, Hey, go unlock this box and upload it to YouTube. And it's going to be like, Oh, here's everything you need to know. So, yeah. It's we- like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like the, the, when you watch that documentary of people analyzing it, like the shining Two, three, seven, and you, like, yeah. you see how, how far people will let that movie consume their life, trying to work out what he was meaning by certain things. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like it consu- it consumes lives. Like well, they're all like all the cans are facing the right way. And I'm like, well, maybe you just wanted all the cans. No, no, no. There's uh, Native Americans on those cans, so it's a statement that was built on an Indian burial ground, yeah. and this is them coming back. It's like that level, just like where you can make the. It's the guy. My favorite one is the guy that found that if you play the movie forwards and backwards at the same time, the Abbey Road. Jack Torrance like gets there's. I think it's the hotel comes into view, and it looks like he's got a Hitler mustache. So it's clearly about the Holocaust. Oh. I'm like, oh, holy fucking shit! Come on, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. <laughs> That film you. Can, it's like that film consumes lives the same way the Overlook does. Mm-hmm. There you go. I'll tell Maybe you what, it, you're right though. Three months. Film. I saw that movie probably half a dozen times in, in three months, and mm. I was balls deep in YouTube videos. But oh, God, you thing, have to, yeah. I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told Venom, and Venom did get back to me and it blew his mind. There is a brand new yeah. theory. It just got out. We covered it a little bit on the show. But after this, or I know it's like probably four in the morning over there in Scotland. I don't sleep, so it's fine. It's fine. Uh, uh-huh. Tell me. It's called The <laughs> Wendy <tease> Theory. <laughs> the, the Wendy Theory. theory. Right. Watch that. And yeah, Venom got back because I told Venom and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll check it. He got back. He's like, that blew my mind. That's by far the best fan theory I've ever heard of. The, the theory is only like a year old. So check that out. Okay, well. I love, every, I love everything that is happening right now. Oh, I tell you what. <laughs> I, I am, if, if, you know, all of our listeners are probably laughing right now because this is the epitome of the Joe Blow Horror Show. We go off on these fucking side tangents. We're, We're talking about The Shining fucking eight episodes later. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to reel this back in. Okay, so I love hearing everybody's first impressions your first time hearing about the movie your first time seeing it 
that theater. I want to be sitting in the theater with you in the popcorn that's got the hole in the bottom of it, Duncan. So let me know. Give me your first, <laughs> give me your first experience with this movie. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I saw this one in theaters when it came out. Um, by then, I, I'll not tell you how old I was because we've already shamed my age. Um, but I was uh, a, bit, a, bit, a bit older than you guys. Uh, you know, like if I was in college, I'd be considered creepy. So, um, yeah, so I was a, a bit older than that. But yeah, by that point, I, I mean, the horror was my life, pretty much. It, it, it kind of carried right through. But I'd finished, I'd, I worked for a couple of years in a video store. Um, so that kind of that the majority of my knowledge of older horror movies comes from that two and a half to three year window that I worked in there, and I had a steady diet of what I would class as the classics. And Romero certainly fits within that bill. Movies like Martin, you know, Night, Dawn, Day. You know, I'd, I'd see I'd seen these ones, um, and he was a director that my last kind of experience of him as a working director had been on Two Evil Eyes with the aforementioned Dario Argento, where they both did adaptations of Edgar Allan Poe. So I'd seen, I'd seen Two Evil Eyes. And so when we, but I, he's one of these guys that just like off the radar, I hadn't thought about him in the longest time. And then, like we mentioned, there was this kind of, there was a, the, the Zack Snyder remake of Dawn of the Dead, which obviously made me want to watch Dawn of the Dead loads. And then the next thing I knew was, oh, he's, he's coming, he's back, he's back and he's got another of the dead movie and it's going to be Land of the Dead and it's going to be this big budget movie and it's going to be, you know, this huge concept and by then the, the kind of, the dark sheets were already talking about things to do with, you know, it's going to have elements of the script of Day of the Dead, which, you know, were never made and all these yep, things. Yep. Dennis Hopper's going to be in Love it. That. So I was in. I was fucking in day one, so I went to see it. But I went to see it in a fairly lackluster cinema. <laughs> like it wasn't, it wasn't full at all. We were lucky if it was half full. Um, I, I just don't necessarily one where I live to the the audience. I don't think they were they were in for some Romero. So I thought to I would imagine people that are like minded to myself who all kind of flock. A lot of people sing, sitting singly. I was myself uh, when I went to see it. And um, I, I thought it was, the thing about it is I got the, you always, when you go to a, a Romero movie, you're always looking for what's the commentary? What, what, what is he has to say? Because his dead movies are vehicles for his view on where society is at that point. You know, wh where we are, ground zero and all the rest. So, I got that really quickly from it, but what I, what I genuinely loved about Land of the Dead is that it's there and it's very on the nose. The messaging's on the nose, but there's a, there's a playful side about this movie, which I don't think you get in certainly Night of the Living Dead or, or Day, Day of the Dead, uh, sorry, Dawn of the Dead, but he was starting to experiment with Day of the Dead. Uh, where he was starting to do it, not necessarily about humour, but there was something a bit more tongue-in-cheek about how he was approaching it. And that's this movie. Like, you know, the, the, way, the way characters interact to certain things, the way certain characters die, he's obviously got a bit more of a budget. So I, I was sitting there going, imagine if he'd had the opportunity to make something on a bigger scale in the past. And now I have that movie on the bigger scale. And the the worry is that it might disappoint, but my initial viewing of this movie, I came out relatively high on it. Like, I, I, I came out saying, right, of the dead movies, it's still probably the bottom one for me at that point that had been released. However, 
there's not a bad one in the bunch. Now, given some of the ones that came after, but there would be movies that I think are not good, like objectively not good. But it was like, you know, it's still a great movie. So I was buzzing about this one. From my point of view, he'd done his fourth zombie movie and that fourth zombie movie was still a home run. It was still a great movie. It ticked everything I wanted to see. Great characters, great zombies, great deaths. Boom, two thumbs up for me. So I went out happy. I don't know why I have. it's taken me that long to come back to watch it because watching it today for this recording, when it finishes like that, I kind of feel like I've cheated myself out of a decade and a half of watching this movie. Because I, I, I genuinely had a ball with it, so yeah, that's my that's my thoughts. I didn't think, that, you know, even even with the, the CGI notwithstanding, which is in there, but once again, it's two thousand and five. Everyone's getting pushed that way. Um, it's not used. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not being pushed. It's not being pushed in a way where I feel like, well, like we're just being lazy with it now. Like the creature, like if they had CGI zombies, I would have been upset. Blood spray, I'm with you, blood spray CGI never looks great, but a lot of the actual skylines are, you know, digital effects and they yeah. hold up yeah. surprisingly well for a movie shot in 2005. So from, from that level, I'd, I'm, I'm all right with that. I don't know if I'd ever fully sign off on it. I, don't, I know he'd never fully signed off on it, but yeah, like... I'd, surprisingly good first time watch for me and then coming back today surprisingly good like recap watch so yeah i don't know about you guys but it's one of these ones where you expect you expect things not to be good because it's been so long and then you come out and you're like that was a bonus i'd like it was better than i expected so yeah it's good all right Tibu. yeah um first time watch oh five wasn't in a theater but I did know this was coming out. So whenever it came to my local video store, I had them hold it for me, went home, popped that baby in. I had only been a fan of Night of the Living Dead and seen Dawn of the Dead, the original, one time at that point. I had already seen the Dawn of the Dead remake and really liked it. I saw that in theaters. I don't know why I didn't see Land of the Dead. I don't think it came, uh, came over where I was in Louisiana. But I, I do remember feeling like this is kind of subpar compared to the Dawn of the Dead remake. I remember feeling like this is subpar compared to um, 28 Days Later. Um, only comparing them to the zombie films of the time. Again, compared to his originals, Dawn I didn't have much of an opinion of. I'd only seen it one time and I hadn't revisited it until we did this series, really. Um, and Day I hadn't discovered until a few years ago. And that so far is my favorite one. Um, I don't know about a rewatch. I don't know how, how, how much into the rewatch I'm, I'm willing to go yet. But I will say, yeah, the, a lot of the backgrounds, a lot of the characters interacting with each other, I, I agree. They're very reminiscent of Day of the Dead and Dawn. To me, to me, to me his characters are always good um, in all four of his movies that I've seen in this series so far. The characters are always really good. Um, for the most part, they're memorable for the most part. And this movie is no exception from uh, Cholo to the uh, evil Dennis Hopper boss to um, what's that? Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Hopper as Hoffman. Um, Hoffman. Yeah. Dennis Dustin Don't Hoffman. Saw, saw film series mixed up into this. <laughs> Who, uh, I'm not going to remember the, the white dude's name, but he's the Riley? guy that created uh, Dead Reckoning. Oh, Riley. 
Yeah, Riley. I don't know. I wanted to call him Wiley. Riley. Yeah. Wiley Riley. I wouldn't um, be mad if you called him Wiley. Yeah, he, he's less memorable to me, and so is his little girlfriend, who I guess is the Argento daughter. Um, yeah, uh, bad, bad naming as well. You never name a prostitute Slack. That's <laughs> that's a recipe for disaster, unless yeah. that's what you're looking for. I mean, uh. but you had plenty of other side characters who were really good. <laughs> Sorry, Jibu. No, no. You had plenty of other side characters that were pretty good. Some there were some really good uh, practical shots. Nothing on the level of dead of the of the dead. Um, not even close. And the CGI blood splatter, yeah, I'm not going to say I prefer it. For sure, I don't. Did it bother me? I can't really say it bothered me either, though, to be honest. Um, mainly because what we did get in practical effects did look good. It's not Day of the Dead, but it still looked good. And again, the, yeah, the composite shots that they did of all the backgrounds, like all the CGI um, backgrounds and stuff, still hold up i was watching the movie like wait a minute i remember this looking like shit and the and the and the scenes that were sets that or or at least outside in the streets that were uh a lot of production design went into all of those actual shots you could tell the work was put in and i want to say the grenade kill was fucking hilarious and i <laughs> laughed for a long time and i love it so much <laughs> it's so stupid and clumsy, but amazing. It's great. Uh, that 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 part of it is great. I had fun with the movie. Um, but what about you, Boss Tuna? So just to give a 30-second background for Duncan here, zombies, I've always been obsessed with zombies. My uncle owned uh, a franchise of movie stores. The first horror movie nice. I got into were zombies. Uh, Joe Bob got me into them. I watched Night of Living Dead, 68. 90 and Don 78 like 100 plus times each uh day of the dead I, I i really disliked that movie for a long long time ironically enough uh, i came around to it obviously but swinging back around here to land of the dead in college you know this was at the end of my college uh i'm gonna call it a career um because i accomplished quite a bit uh both well we'll, we'll, we'll just i don't want to get too <laughs> but <laughs> All small towns. The home I, <laughs> the home I lived in, um, growing up to living in college. So the theater experience, I didn't care about the theater experience. I had my same group of buddies. I got a couple. Of, I, I've talked about this one buddy multiple times on the show, and he shall remain unnamed. But he was my horror buddy. We went to all horror movies that came out, all the Saw movies. Every we would go to the movie theaters dressed up as Hawk and Animal from WWF, and then go to the fucking parties afterwards on Halloween night seeing, you know, saw. So this movie came about, I remember it was in the, I want to say it was spring or something like that, or early summer. And we would go and see these at least twice. And I loved it. I, it, it kind of blew my mind because I do remember at the time this was getting a lot of hate. Uh, and it just kind of surprised me. And to bring it back a little bit further, I remember when I saw day of the dead for the longest time, I really did not like that movie at first. And it was because I am, I guess what you'd call a traditionalist when it comes to zombies. And I saw this, this zombie bub and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's like, George, what are you doing to me? Like, I just don't like this. I like my zombies dumb and whatever. Um, so I did see this and it was a lot of fun, but I, you know, I kind of was expecting to see 
the, I guess, the evolution, if you will, of the zombies in it. Um, so that didn't really detract it from me. I was just excited because, you know, we got to see another zombie movie that was a wide release in the theater. So I friggin' loved it. My buddy and I went the first time we brought all of our, uh, lady friends, uh, the, the, the second time they hated it, but I loved it because of that. And you know, it, it's funny because when I was watching these movies as a kid, the social commentary part of it, the themes, all that was so over my head. It was just, it was just gone. And at the time I saw this, I got a little bit of it, but it, you know, I wasn't, I didn't look into, I wasn't on websites. I wasn't on chat groups. I wasn't, I was just a huge horror movie and zombie nerd fan. So I let a lot of that stuff go. Um, and honestly, I think that helped me enjoy a lot of these movies a little bit more, but I mean, that's kind of hard to say because, you know, his first three are kind of sacred and everybody loves them. Um, truth be told, once we get into the next three here, I like, I love all of them. I love all of them. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and say that, um, <laughs> I wouldn't say there's a bad Romero movie. There's some that are better than, better than others, but I walked out of that movie both times, really enjoying it and thinking, you know, when's the next one? When's the next one? Super excited. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's anytime that you can go to a theater to see a zombie movie, I'm, I'm there. I, I am, I am a hundred percent there. So uh, it's just a shame now that, you know, I'm 37 years old and I go during the day by myself because I want to be the only one in the theater and I don't want fucking high school kids laughing and screwing it up for me. So <laughs> That's that's my life. I go watch movies during the day now because I want to be in my seat in the theater, and I don't want anybody to even be around me. So, but you know what's you know what's great about that is you like you remember when you were a teenager and you used to see an older man come in and sit himself. You would think pervert. You would. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's you know. It's Boss Jonas. He's the pervert. Yep. That's like that's. That's He's us now. And like, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, that's fine. That's fine. Like, I, <laughs> that's what they're thinking. Fine. I don't care. But I get sitting there without fucking, I see your mobile phones being lifted up and people talking all the way through the movie yep. and someone rustling yep. something right behind my ear. Don't you want to a fucking flamethrower into a movie theater? I'm sorry. I'm just saying. Look, I won't get, I won't get as dark as I almost went with that joke. I won't do it. I won't, but yeah. I was talking over for the first part of it, so I missed it. Oh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm I, yeah. It I was, it was maybe, it was maybe flirting with the idea about taking a flame float, yeah. movie theater potentially, you know. Oh, I just, I'm just, look, man. No, but, um, I feel, I, I do feel you guys. I've seen a few movies where, you want to watch the film and enjoy it. And if a yeah. movie is quiet, you need to be in a, like if the scene, not the movie, if the scene is quiet, you need to be in a quiet atmosphere. And if every fuck up and their, and their friend is, is just like, <laughs> and they're yeah. eating and just, it's like, but this is the part where you're supposed to not eat the popcorn and you're supposed to just watch and wait until the loud part to eat the popcorn. I know I'm being nitpicky. It's a group experience. It's communal. I'm coming across as a dick. But I agree with Boss Tuna. It's like, fuck it. Just don't be near me with your crinkles and your wrappers and your coughing and your laughing. Just I have been that asshole in the theater, and I have made a scene. I have two. I, I have two. When movie prices are 
12 15 dollars a ticket i will come and fucking yeah. air your face and drown you in your fucking diet coke so <laughs> yeah the people the people that are making that noise are there on their parents dime mm-hmm. yeah so they didn't they didn't go out and work a fucking job to pay for that ticket so no they have no appreciation for the value of that ticket i'm with that, you guys like uh, fuck fuck these kids like uh, well look, don't, don't isolate that don't isolate whoa, whoa. that goes back to the parent thing again no uh, like Tell these kids no, is what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh, Tell them no. Just no, guys. Come on. No better. How about right, that? No so better. The movie opens up. It's a pretty... I, I do love just... I, I love the, the black and white opening, and I love how it kind of transitions because it's a black and white opening. It's kind of throwbacks to the others. And then it goes into that really dark, and it, it you know, just much like Savini wanted to do with night 1990 it almost transitions from that black and white into the color a little bit because we get that church scene and it's it's at dawn you know and everything's all kind of dark and whatnot and then you do get hit with fantastic zombies i I do love the creativeness of the zombies are always you know i mean well the clown zombie obviously that's gonna we're gonna talk about that as well but you get the band zombies uh, you, you get the teenage zombies and then you see charlie and riley opening up and then you get to see Big Daddy. And the one thing I'll oh, say about this, there was a yeah. running joke for like 10 years with my college friends and our, I guess, female friends that we took at the time. So I went to a college, a little, I, I know we actually have a couple uh, listeners up in Bemidji, but uh, Bemidji State University is where I went to college. It's a small town. It's actually D2 school, so a decent sized college. But we had a gas station up there that looked exactly like the one from the opening scene with Big Daddy. And it was, it was kitty corner to one of our main watering holes. So when we'd walk from one bar to the next bar, I would purposely walk in between the pumps and the gas station. And every fucking time for like a couple of years, I would scare all of our lady friends and be like, oh, you better hurry up. Big Daddy's coming to get you. Um, <laughs> There was a parking spot by there too. And we'd be like, where are we meeting up? And I'd be like, well, obviously we're going to park at Big Daddy's. I'll meet you there. And like the girls would always be like, well, let me know when you didn't want to park there first. So (laughs) I I actually forgot about that until I was rewatching this movie, much like Duncan. I hadn't seen this movie in in, in a minute. Um, And then that opening scene, I was like, oh my God, I forgot about Big Daddy. Like from my college, it's like, I have to tell the story on the show. It was hilarious. But yeah, Big Daddy. Um, I don't know if that gas station is still there, but it was, you know, this weird, it didn't, it didn't fit, you know, the, cause it was, it looked older. It had the old pumps and everything. Like you see, I mean, everything's all electronic. So, um, but yeah, that, that brings back memories. What do they call that? Nostalgia. Yes. Yeah. And they got some, you got some good Romero dialogue right here is Romero zombie dialogue. I'm starting to learn where the characters mm-hmm. are talking about, like they're pretending to be us. They're pretending to live again. And the other guy's like, yeah, ain't that what we doing or something like that. And I'm just like, there's the cynicism. There's the fucking nihilism. That's that mm-hmm. Romero zombie dialogue right there. Cause, cause that's, that's the scene from day of the dead with, uh, um, John, the, the whirly bird pirate, uh, oh, helicopter yeah. pilot t- <laughs> telling him, you know, like, you ain't never going to figure this out. You weren't meant to. And it's like, it's all, it's all fucked, man. It's all fucked. And, and this world is really presented that way because 
we are now at the point how each film subsequently goes from one decade to the next and gets worse and further into the zombie apocalypse. We have come full-fledged. Zombies are the ma- way the majority, but we're so ingrained now with having them around that they've kind of become part of life. We've got secure areas, Fiddler's Green, um, this high-tech, well, I, not, I don't know, high-tech, but a very secure compound where you can pretend to be affluent. And it's like, come and live like the good old days where everyone got an old fashioned. And um, (laughs) the zombies are fucking um, chained up and used for games like gambling and different sorts of um, cockfighting, but with zombies. I mean, it's this world that that Romero has has created and, and branched fleshed out, if you will, pun intended, over the last if you go from the sixties to the two thousands, man, that's fucking 50 years. Yeah. I think, I think, I think, my bad. Yeah. Even on top of that as well, though, like you'd never want to like, see when you're, see when you're holding a magnifying glass to negative aspects that you're pointing out as being, I mean, this isn't great that we do this. This isn't great, you know. This isn't great that you know race relations are bad. This isn't great that we're consumed by consumerism to the point that we are essentially mindless drones turning up to the same place. To the like when this magnifying glass is held up, for that if you're the guy that's making those statements, you kind of want to be proved wrong. You know, like it's one of those like occasions where you kind of want to be in that position where you're like that. See if I'm proved wrong that the way I think things are going is you know the way things are going. Please prove me wrong. And by the time you get this is why I think like he's he's a genius in what he does because by the time you get to 2005, his message once again is a little bit like you don't have the at this point you don't have things like uh, Occupy Wall Street in 2005. That's not a thing. Um, you know, the, the 1% conversations that you've been having for, what, the last six years, seven years, all these things that aren't, they don't exist in the lexicon of what we're having in terms of wider appeal. And here's Romero once again creating a conversation point that in 2021 when you watch it, you're like, he's on the fucking money again. Like, every time... Every single time the guy has got his finger on the pulse ahead of it. So the world that he has now built is, like you say, it's like the the zombies are the majority now. Humanity is in these tiny little pockets. But because humanity is a hierarchical structure of the rich and powerful are at the top and everyone else, you know, it's a pyramid scheme. Like the next level you go down, there's the next lot. But by the time you get to the bottom, that bottom one is the biggest row of people. But those are the ones that have to do the most work under the shittiest conditions for the few at the top. Uh, And, you know, the the way he structures it all out, that, you know, humanity is under the greatest threat it's ever been at. But guess what? Humans are still humans. Like, like we're still greedy. We're still like looking out for number one. We still want our creature comforts instead of banding together like we should against a force outside these walls. He's, he captures it. Like in the first, like the first five minutes of this movie, yep. you have a clear indication of exactly where we are. You've got all the context you need, and you have this hint. He just drops this little hint. Oh, by the way, maybe these 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 zombies are adapting. Yeah. Maybe I they're starting say, to learn. I wanna, yeah. you know. Watching these movies in a row, like we are for this series, really made this movie 
I think because back when I watched it in 05, I didn't have the full context of the series. And I wasn't even aware of some of the trivia, like that each film takes place in a different decade and is meant to be further along in the same apocalypse, but the timeline's skewed because, you know, it's just, it's whatever. But yeah. that, well, that part's whatever. But yeah, the zombies definitely have been increasing in intelligence every film and to the point now where fucking big daddy's like, I got a big gun, motherfucker, because he gets... Oh, gets when he pulls that trigger, like, I know we're going to get it, Tim, but when he pulls that trigger, he's like... Yeah, oh, that's what that does. <laughs> I did want to say, though, how would we make a Romero zombie film with the commentary that, because when you said the, the um, 1% conversation for six years, that makes me think of people's short attention spans and how Epstein, why isn't that a thing anymore? Why don't people oh, talk about Epstein yeah. anymore? It's really odd to me that all the most powerful people in the world went to a kitty sex dungeon island and that yeah. just doesn't get talked about by the mainstream media at all. And I'm not going to go down conspiracy theory <laughs> land. I'm just saying it's yeah. very – so how do we make a zombie movie where we address the fact that, yeah, we are in a slave debt system that was set up a long-ass time ago and we're just born into it. But how do we equate the short attention span aspect of people? Because that's a real killer is how that's, people that's- – it's what it's that that's what like, that's the thing like like if you're at the bottom you've got like you've got so much more to worry about than that there you've got to pay the bills you've got to keep the roof over your head and all the rest and that's the cycle that's where you get stuck you're so busy but you're so busy being the hamster in the wheel running around in the wheel that at no point you think if i stop running in this wheel what happens um you're too busy concentrating on keeping the wheel powered and that's like that's the genius the, the, the guy the the guy whose name escapes me um who is like the kind of preacher guy who's basically saying listen there's more of us than there are of them and oh, if we yeah. band together oh, scottish guy yeah like oh, I, I trust the scotsman to <laughs> Yeah. Freedom! <laughs> if you, if you like, but this is, but you get the same message as the same everywhere. Every society has that bit where like that. Listen, there's more of us than there are of them, and that's why like revolutions don't have it happen much anymore. But it's funny that when revolutions do happen, systems get overturned mm-hmm. because it's like there's more people at the bottom than there is at the top, and but there's so much that the way the system is built is to make you have conflict with those people in the same thing. Try and get your slice of the, the pie. John Leguizamo's character is so determined to have that apartment and that building because that will solve everything for him. That'll make his life, all the nasty shit that he's done is merited because he'll have his place in there. And what Riley tries to tell him, like at the start is, you're not one of them. There's, like, they won't even give me a place at them because you're not one of them. You can't buy into that class. You can never buy into that class. He will always look at you as an imposter, as low rent. And, and like all these messages are like we're pertinent then, they're pertinent now. But Romero just has this really great way of breaking down what's taken me, what, eight minutes to explain uh, into like small sound bites that when you watch it and you're like, that, true that, true that, spot on, amen, brother. You know, it's, it's, that, it's that sort of level. So what he's doing is he's building a zombie movie where you have he's tackling loads of different things but he's tackling like the war specifically you know the the, the kind of the, the way that society looks at like their enemies but primarily this is a class thing again and he updates it and he makes it pertinent and it's it, it, it works 
It works surprise. That's why, like, when you were saying that, you know, it holds a 70, like, 5%, 78% or whatever it is in terms of the critical response on Rotten Tomatoes, that doesn't actually surprise me because the more I, we've just been sitting chatting about, I'm like, actually, he's on the money. And if you're a critic and that's what you're going into a movie to look for, because that's what critics are, you know, they're paid to see the subtext. It's 100%. Then, one of the things I wanted to bring up is is yeah. just, it's, it's, it's weird how relevant everything still is yeah yeah romero the romero of the dead films to this point is like fucking south park basically <laughs> yeah. it's on the it's like it's on the finger on the pulse constantly and you can go back to it like a decade later and you're like fuck <laughs> like <Yeah. today." laughs> you know, you're right you're right it's um but, the, but the, I, I think that just like once again just highlights how clever he was yeah. yeah, clearly, he clearly had a really good understanding of where we are, and he could see a lot of the flaws, and he had a medium in which to magnify it on the screen. So, how, how clever and how coy he was too, because that motherfucker will still be. Yeah. Like, oh, no, 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 this, this was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. And he was like eight feet tall too, so no one would argue with him. God. Yeah, yeah, no shit. <laughs> so, um, well. Yeah, we, he mentioned John Leguizamo's character, and that is his motivation. He is a, uh, um, basically a mercenary of, of sorts, I suppose, for um, kind of Hoffman. his right hand man. But yeah, yeah. Right he does hand. all his dirty work, and he goes and finds him like fancy wines and champagnes, and almost gets his fucking face bitten off by discount bub. All, <laughs> all, bub. Uh, yeah, all, all, all in the effort to get into Fiddler's Green, which is this. Trump Tower in the middle yeah. of, of a zombie fucking apocalypse where everyone's fucking eat. Like, they live in a mall forever, basically. It's like Dawn of the Dead on steroids, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is where the production design shined way well, more than it did to me yeah. back in the day. What's that? I said it, it does look good. And it, it, it's funny just with, you know, you're right, because you start out, everything's doom and gloom, dark, gray, Slowing it up is my favorite Irishman <laughs> says. Uh, but then you get in there and it's just all bright. There's colors. And the best part too is, is like, oh, well, you're in, you know, we'll call it Trump Tower just because I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but it's like, <laughs> hey, check your guns at the door because, you know, we're all good to go here. We have security guards and 100% Cholo has had this long game in, in play for quite a while we find out he'd been working with him for three years and he's just been slowly yeah. trying to butter him up. And in Cholo's mind, you know, we, we know Cholo's not the smartest uh, or sharpest pencil in the box there, but he shows up with these cigars that got, um, uh, you know, Mike killed uh, at the, at the store and he's showing up and he's like, Hey, you know mm-hmm. what? I got all that. You owe me 20. And you could see that also does play uh, well with Coffin because you see how manipulated if he is because he hadn't paid out Cholo for how many of the previous missions. Hey, you owe me 20 grand for this yeah. last one and for this one and this one, this one here. But Hey, here's some cigars. I know you like cigars. I got your favorite uh, uh, champagne or whiskey. And, and then man, talk about a fucking kick in the nuts. huh? Well, yeah. yeah like he- Cholo is, as uh, Kaufman's useful idiot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He points him in the direction, asks him to do it, keeps him stringing along with the promise of the high life. Um, a high life that, like, as soon as that conversation, is such an awkward conversation as well, because you can see it in, like, this is the end game for 
for for Cholo, he's like, right, I've done all this stuff. Now, like by my reckoning, on the tab that I've got, I can afford one of these places. And Kaufman's like, wow, well, but there's a waiting list, though. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you are right. <laughs> on paper, you can afford one of these places, but there's a, a wait. Like, I can't control the waiting list. I have a board of directors yeah. I answer to. How many times have you been in a, a position, probably at work, where you're like that? I deserve a promotion, motherfucker. And then you go in there and they're like, I would give you the promotion, but these guys here, these guys that I answer to, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they yeah. say no. It's it's like it's what once it's a carrot and the stick thing. And um, what I love about this is that, like like Kaufman severely underestimates Cholo because he's like that, he's my useful, he's he's my useful idiot, but you know, I can have this guy removed and we'll just take care of some business while he's being removed. Uh, and Cholo is you know is lethal. <laughs> like, that's the one thing. He dispatches that say. security guard pretty fucking fast. Two seconds after the scene, we just see how how expendable he is in the eyes yeah. of you know his. You, he's like he literally said, "I have no use for this soldier anymore," or whatever. And yeah, he, you know Cholo knows what's up. I mean, he he's yep. he's dumb, but he's smart at the same time. So he's I would say he's street smart. So he kind of knows what's going street on. Street smart, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's what I was gonna say. I've been I've been biting my tongue because when you said he was the useful idiot, I was like, he's not an idiot at all. He he's got a goal. He's done a lot to accomplish it. He's actually achieved in his mind his goal, yep. and he goes through further means. And were it not for Riley showing up he would have accomplished those means. Yeah. Um, we, uh, so I don't know. I, I don't look at him as an idiot. I do look at him as no, a, it's, uh, like when I, when I say useful idiot, I mean, that's how Kaufman looks at him. Kaufman oh, looks yeah. at him as a, you know, he's a tool to be used, but he's not smart enough to understand the game. And what he doesn't right, understand yeah. is Cholo 100% understands the game and understands completely. That he's being like, when he's like, nah, don't play me like this, you know, like, I have the money, give me the room. Like, you're, you're going to play. I know, like, I know what happens with the garbage. I understand. I've been doing it for three years. Like, I, the I can put the, you... Yeah, the neighbor is right next door. He goes up and Coffin's not there. He goes and dispatches the, the guy that hung himself, which, I mean, how bad can life be if you fucking hang yourself in the penthouse suite right across from the guy that runs it? But mm-hmm. yeah, he killed himself and, and he's like, hey, my my suite just opened up, um, <laughs> but I always thought too that it would be interesting. I mean, I I like where Cholo's storyline goes. I mean, in the context of the movie as well as Riley's, but they're so opposite. It would it would have been. I mean, part of me, you know, when you see this movie a number of times and your brain starts going, part of me is wondering, you know, what we could have seen as far as. It would have been a good dichotomy as far as, as seeing Cholo and Riley play off of each other a little bit more. I would have liked to see that yeah. fleshed out a little bit more because I felt like Cholo's story ended, you know, a little bit too soon. I don't know. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's me just kind of spitballing here, but I, I'm just trying to – let- I think the third act of this movie drags a little bit, and I think, the, I think you're pointing at a really good reason why because the first act isn't given enough room to breathe. Um, some of these characters – as likable as they are, unlike the previous two Romero films, I think we're not given the appropriate appropriate amount of time to engage the audience enough for us to really, I mean, learn them or give a shit about them. Yeah, Cholo's story starts and ends almost in the exact same scene, pretty much, uh, as far as what his goal is. And then after that, he is now the, the what do you call? Um, He's there to push the plot along. 
Yeah, I mean, he or, or and he's the thing being sought after because he has uh, Dead Reckoning, which we have not mentioned yet. This yeah. fucking machine. <laughs> There's a fucking gigantic <laughs> tank the size of 5,000 tanks. No, it's not that big, but it's literally like, what, four tanks stacked on top of each other, here's, long here's, and high, big. It's crazy. Here's what I want to say. Duncan, uh, when you were growing up, I'm 37. I know you're not that much older than me. When you were growing up, did you have the Ninja Turtles like action figures? And remember the big yeah. machine truck? Was that over there? Yes. Oh, yeah. I had that. Yeah. This right here. I remember years ago when I saw this, I was like, I wish I was a kid and I wish I could play with fucking Dead Reckoning. And oh, God, that yeah. would be like my favorite fucking toy ever. Like, you know, like back in the day, like the, the, the t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle machine would shoot pizzas and shit. You could fire pizzas, there, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This would y'all, are bo- y'all are both going to shit yourselves. Top and rocket. That would be the best ever. Y'all are both going to shit yourselves. I, I had like, that. Did you? That? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're not. I don't, we're probably not all that much older or and younger than each. Well, me and you're me and you're too young. You're too young that I'm. I'm almost at the point now that I feel uncomfortable that I might be grooming you on a call. Um, I'm just like <laughs> that's how young you are. Uh, I'm a thirty. I'm a thirty-three year old man. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm uncomfortable with this conversation. Uh-huh. Uh, like, <laughs> but like, 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 they're reckoning as well is that thing where, like, to describe it to someone that hasn't seen it, like, if this thing showed up on Mad Max, you know, Fury Road, oh, yeah. it would make you like, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's totally supposed to be. The you only know? thing is, <laughs> is the fucking dudes fucking ripping jeans off the front. <laughs> the guy, of the the, the, the yep. front of the yep. good. Yeah, we're in front of a Marshall stack with flame shit at his guitar is the only thing yeah. that's missing from it. It is a fucking beast of a machine. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And this thing was created by uh, Riley, who is, I guess, uh, what what are him and Cholo part of? They're they're first and second in command of, I guess, like a reconnaissance they're group. They're basically the scavengers. Yeah, yeah. What they are, so they so, go and basically get all the supplies. So I mean, the movie basically sets up the characters at this point. We have we have the main ones are going to be Riley and yeah. Cholo. Uh, Riley's the one in charge. Riley's good-hearted. He goes out of his way to grab medication and um, antibiotics for uh, Duncan's cousin, the the Irishman, with his kid that's got some kind of issue or whatever. And Cholo is he's is, got he's got he's got he's got black lung from working too much down yeah. the mains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, there's a couple things aside. Like, man, that liquor store was. Like how how far were were they away? I mean, we're supposed to be how far? In that should be dry. That, yeah, that should like at this stage, that should be that should be an empty shell of a building. Like they're anybody, not just stumbling they had, across that. Anybody, they had all the putting, bottles. Anybody that's putting a plan together for the end of the world apocalypse, here's here's going to be your itinerary. Uh, number one is going to be uh, the pharmacy. Uh, mm-hmm. Number two is going to be the liquor store, and then yeah. number three is going to be the grocery store. So. I was going to say, man. Just being pristine, I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, my liquor store doesn't even look that stocked. Yeah. I don't have to worry about fucking zombies going after it. And they're they're relatively, I mean, like, once again, like, this, I mean, as a kind of plot, kind of hold in this, uh, like, they're saying that how much money this alcohol is actually worth, and they leave with very little. Yeah, yeah. Like, a couple of boxes, number like that. Come on, look at your vehicle. 
stock it up. <laughs> like, let's let's you know, get going here. Well, you know who don't play that post holes I found, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> you know who doesn't play that post-apocalyptic zombie world still in alcohol bullshit? Fucking Daryl on The Walking Dead. <laughs> it's fucking Daryl. I'm just saying there was that one guy, I forget his name, but he was jacking alcohol while they were on a fucking search and rescue mission. And when Daryl found out that that dude nearly got one of his guys killed for a bottle of booze that he was hiding in his little knapsack, yep. he was he was like, you ever do this again, I will beat your ass into the ground. And I'm like, no. Daryl's a better version of Riley. Yeah. Is, oh, Darryl, yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. Uh, I, like, Riley's ultimate goal here, like if we're saying Cholo's ultimate goal is to be part of the machine at the higher level, you know, in with the, the big wigs and, and part of the, the upper crust, Riley wants off the grid. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Riley wants away from everything. He wants to be in charge of his own destiny, his own man, his own plot of land. Uh, so he can live by the sword, die by the sword, and do his own thing. And that's you know that's a, that's the dichotomy of those two characters. Is one is, they're both at the bottom. Mm-hmm. One is desperately wanting to become part of the machine, controlling things, and the other one wants out of it all together. Um, and you're right. There is a missed opportunity there for more conflict more kind of idea bashing about what is the right approach it kind of feels like Romero's setting up these two ideas but not necessarily wanting to tell the audience he, he, at some level he's he, he's confident you know enough that the audience says Duncan it's, it's called honey dicking because they yeah. honey <laughs> both of us with this because you do get a really good scene with I mean I mean it, it's ebbs and flows you you have yeah. that bickering and then you have them being friends and it culminates at the very end when he meets up with dead reckoning and and cholo I mean we're jumping a little bit ahead here but he sees that the other guy is going to shoot cholo and he fucking kicks him out of the way to save him because y- you know that they've probably been together for years yeah yeah They're friends I mean, they might be opposite ends of the spectrum so that's why I'm like oh fuck I wish that I could see a little bit more yeah. yeah, I'm saying, I, I, I'm saying, I, I, yeah. that scene right there where they do meet later in the film, that should have been more towards the end, right before, because this is what we're missing. This movie should have been about these two characters. This movie is about Big Fucking Daddy, because Big Daddy is just <laughs> accumulating masses like he's Daenerys Targaryen or some shit, and he is marching the King's Landing through the fucking ocean. We should have. I remember distinctly a scene of them walking across the lake bed. I was wrong. That's not in this movie. Uh, so what the fuck movie am I thinking of? But Well, they walked through the river. Yeah, yeah. well, I know, but you don't see him walking in the river. You see oh, him coming out of the river. Yeah. And that yeah, shit yeah. is creepy, man. That shit is like Carnival of Souls creepy. Yeah. That was awesome. I love yeah, that yeah, shit. Yeah, that's – okay, I, I've been purposely pushing this whole Big Daddy thing aside because, again, you know, myself, I, I just – I'm not – I know that it's it's part of George Romero's DNA and his ultimate goal with these movies as far as the the transgression of the zombies. I just I'm not a fan of it. Big Daddy kind of drives me nuts. Uh, he is you're right. He is a big part of the movie, but I feel like man, you pull Big Daddy out of this movie and you still have a fantastic story. Uh, no. You're gonna have to figure no. out how to get the zombies there, but I just don't. No, like you need it. Big Daddy screaming constantly every time a zombie gets shot. You need ah! Big Daddy. Yeah, grabbing that fucking chisel, and when it comes unplugged, he's just like, "Uh, you need Big Daddy, bro." Don't you don't? Okay, here here's one thing for you. They're trying to get Big Daddy to pull at your heartstrings because I don't think Big Daddy himself killed a single human. 
it was all of Ooh. his kind of peons kind of deal. So Big Daddy himself didn't kill a single person. I don't give a fuck he, if Big Daddy would have killed everybody. I hope he, I would hope he killed army. everybody. Leading the army. But the one thing to that watch would be like there's certain things that drive me nuts, and one of them was at the end of the movie when uh, or towards the end of the movie when the one zombie is on fire and it's screaming. When the fuck have zombies ever felt pain? And he goes to like mercy kill him. Like why? Bub. Why? Bub. You don't feel pain. Bub. Bub felt remorse when Dr. Logan got killed and but killed I'm, Rhodes in revenge. But I'm so talking it's about a, a zombie feeling pain and he's this is new. mercy kill. I mean, all that have is. Have you ever watched have you ever watched Return of the Living Dead? Fucking hard strings. Have you ever watched Return of the Living Dead? Only about 473 times. Okay, then you know, <laughs> then you know that it's a spin-off. It's a spin-off of the Night of the Living Dead. And in that movie, the zombie says that they need to eat because it fucking stops the what? It stops the pain. That's right. We're so talking about da- apples Big and Daddy. Orange. Big Daddy. No, I'm talking about I'm apples. Did you and- go to this whole fucking episode? <laughs> <laughs> Big Daddy did a mercy killing, all right? Just saying. Yeah. Evolution, uh, we got, yeah. evolution of a zombie evolution of a zombie i mean let's talk about coffin for a second here fucking love this guy we, we talked a little bit about when he oh man he, duncan i tell you what you put my brain in a, a little bit yeah when you talked about hopper and his roles and everything you're right like yeah. he does not really fit this role but god he was good at it because you oh, yeah. so it's this genius it. casting you expect him like when you find out he's the head guy and that chair spins around like he's a bond villain um, you expect this guy to be the most unhinged character of the lot because it's Dennis fucking Hopper. And when he turns around and he's talking about, you know, board of directors and trying to keep Cholo calm, I mean, maybe we should have this conversation later on where you're not as excited. And, you know, like all, all, all this, like, you're like, where's Dennis Hopper? And what have you, like, you expect the door to close them and be like, aha, you know, like it was my evil plan all along or something. And you don't get that. He is. He is clinically meticulous in this movie and a complete scumbag. (laughs) Absolute complete scumbag. And it is so against cast. But give it to Romero. Romero, I I can't imagine casting people without Romero saying, yeah, get me me Dennis Hopper on the phone. Put him in this role. I honestly can't. I can think of other character actors being in that role. But I don't think they, they work the same way that Hopper does. Right. He's magnetic. He's magnetic on screen. But my favorite bad guy is another mini boss. And when I say mini boss, also that pun is intended. Because you get this <laughs> you get this wee person in the film oh, who's yeah. in a pimp suit. That was he's the next just, thing I started to chat about. We got to chat about. Yes, yeah, let's talk whole. about this motherfucker. <laughs> so, what? I mean, at, yeah, at this point, we, we, we get – we're, we're getting toward, towards our cast of characters, but when Duncan was talking about our pyramid, I mean, we got our elite at the top, and then you got your army and soldiers and your, your followers and leaders, and then we get the, 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 the guys slumming it up. You got to give them <laughs> something to do, right? So they yep. have this awesome, like, beyond Thunderdome type you know, <laughs> Mad Max deal where there's zombie cockfighting, there's betting, there's gambling. Uh, and then you get the, the, they call him, I think the little fat man, if I believe he's, yeah. what is it? A little person. I don't know what the, 
you see where it is. Is he? He's. he's I think that. I think that. I think that works. I think. I think in this movie he's controlling Master Blaster, isn't he? Uh, I think yeah. he's, like, it is. It's, it is so Thunderdome. I, I love it as well. I love it. I, I think like part like there are people out there that will cynically look at that and say, "Oh, someone's all beyond Thunderdome," um, and I'm like, "Fuck it! Like, why not? Why not? Yeah, it totally works." Uh, but I think what really makes it work is he's wearing a, a Vikings purple suit with a fucking cowboy hat on. I'm like, yep, <laughs> love it. He's um, a pimp, dude. He's a pimp. You, you find out, again, just Riley wants out of there. He bought a car from him, and it was getting fixed up, and he motherfucked him and took it. And yep. this is where the shit hits the fan, because you meet Asia Argento. She's oh, good, oh. Like, cool. We, we didn't talk about uh, the sniper, homeboy's fucking best buddy. Charlie. Yep, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie, w- one of my favorite lines in the movie is when Charlie and um, Riley find out that the car is gone. And <laughs> Riley's pissed off. And Charlie's like, did you get fucked? And that fucking homeless guy's like, oh, you got fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so that made me giggle a little bit. It's awesome. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just had to get that out there. Charlie, by the way. Licks the fucking tip of that barrel. That's ass. Oh, that's a callback to Waterworld, right? I did not know yeah. that. Yep. Uh, Dennis Hopper's, I think it's Dennis Hopper's character in Waterworld, right? Licks yes. The, yep. 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 I mean, long story short, no side tangent. I fucking love that movie. I love well, it. It's an awesome movie. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, like I, I don't get the hate for that movie at all. Me it's like the, the hate for that movie comes like it was the most expensive movie ever made at the time. Like before yeah. Titanic was made, it was the most expensive movie ever made yeah. and it didn't make its money back. And people act like it's a bad movie. It is a fantasy movie where the world is covered with what I don't know like how anyone ever thought that was going to be palatable to like a, a huge demographic. Yeah. It's, it's never going to be. It's like, like it's a post-apocalyptic movie. Like yeah. that has a niche market, but there's nothing wrong with that movie. And anyone that says that there is, is wrong. It's a super fun movie. Uh, pumping my yes. tires. Love it. So, um, yeah, I mean, the little man, this, yeah, Tibu's right on that. This is a great scene because, I mean, yeah, you've got that huge, huge underclass uh, or whatever you want to call them. This is kind of how they get their rocks off. This is where they go to hang out. But, yeah, this is where we meet Slack. She's thrown in with a couple zombies and Asia Argento's there. Um, I mean, I kind of see the point of her character, but part of me is like, I wonder if there was like some kind of, you know, under the table deal written between Dario and George back in the seventh <laughs> kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I get the feeling that he's coming back to making a zombie movie. He's thrown his one of his best friends a bone by getting his daughter in the movie. Yeah. I, I think I think it's probably as simple as that. Like, like they they were so like as directors, they were so close. Um, at that one, you know, at that point, like '78, when Dawn of the Dead comes out, like of of the 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 kind of masters of horror, they were the closest to. Um, that you've got to think that he's like from from '78 to this point, he's like he's known Asha Argento her entire life. Right. So right. when it comes when it comes to casting like a a badass like prostitute like warrior in his movie. It doesn't surprise me that she's in here. Is she the best for the role? I think she's. I think she's a. I think she is a great actress. I don't necessarily think she is the the best actress for this movie. Yeah. But I enjoy. I enjoy her in it. I can think of a handful of of other actresses around the two thousand and five mark 
that could have slotted in here and done just as good, if not better. Yeah. But I think you're right. It's, it's, it's one of those things where he's helping out a friend. He's given he's given her right. he's given her a role. Uh, given her a paycheck. I don't think the 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 acting. There's nothing wrong with the acting. It was yeah. It was almost like he he kind of had to write a different role for her. Um, not enough. It's a cliche. It's a cliche character. Yeah. If you know what I mean. It's, yeah. it's like this this the, the this uh, <laughs> I love that can. Um, like uh, this is a cliche role. Like the the Who's badass can? Ta- Argento's yeah. can or his can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not answering that question. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, but like the like she is. She's the. She's the badass, take no prisoners chick who, you know, yeah, like she's in con- com- control of her body and she tells, like, it's all that, all those things are, are cliches to that character. It's not the most, like, some of these characters feel three-dimensional. Slack feels fairly two-dimensional as a character. Um, and that's fine. I, it would not surprise me if she wasn't in the original script and he added that role in for her. I, that would not I surprise picture- me at all. I picture fucking uh, Romero calling up Argento in 85 and explaining his idea for Day of the Dead or whatever, or that it's coming out. And like, oh, he's like, oh, hold on, hold on, Dario. Uh, I'm getting a, we're getting a three-way call from Stephen King. And he's over, Stephen King's just over in the corner like, you remember Creep Show? And he's doing like all kinds of cocaine. He's like, well, I'm going to direct my own movie. It's about killer trucks that get possessed by space radiation from a comet. And I'm like that. That's the perfect phone. That's the perfect world. I want to be a part of that yeah. that phone call, like that, right now. Maybe my favorite. Maybe my favorite trailer, in the history of trailers, is Stephen King standing coked out his tits, eyes <laughs> as wide as the moon, with, with the a monobrow. Got that? Yeah. You know, like that. If um, you want a job done right, you have to do it yourself. And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck is gonna? Oh, <laughs> what? I love, see this movie. Fucking movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I love that um, movie. So I guess wrapping up the end of the movie here is obviously a dis- disturbed uh, Cholo takes off. He hijacks Dead Reckoning. But at this point, the zombies are coming in. We're getting some pretty cool scenes, some pretty cool kills coming up as well. Two of the outposts are being taken out and they're crossing the river. We got our cast of characters. And due to the shenanigans at play at the uh, underground cockfighting zombie ring, we, we find Riley in jail. Is it good for you? Uh, that was pretty sweet, though. Yeah, you get the first <laughs> lick of the rifle. I've had better. Uh, actually, probably, but um, anyway, he licks the uh, he licks the rifle, snipes the little man coming across, ends up going to jail. Kaufman, I almost called him Hoffman. TV, you fuck. Kaufman, Dennis Dost, Dennis Dustin Hoffman, Kaufman. Yeah, it's all them guys. Dustin, Hopper Kaufman. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pulls him out of jail, and he is tasked with going and track down Cholo. I tell you what, we're talking about characters, and you know, I'm I'm kind of being an armchair quarterback here, saying, well, you didn't need to have him in here. I fucking loved having uh, Pillsbury come in with the other two characters. Yeah. I thought that was that I, I think that that actually added quite a bit of the story, but we have them going to, you know, they're in the armory getting geared up and then you have like these SWAT people coming in. You have the, the hardcore loyal chick. You have the kind of coward, scared matador. Uh, I guess he, he was kind of the one in charge. And then you have your big buff uh, Samoan named Pillsbury, which I was like, mm-hmm. he earned that fucking name. 
He's the second best. They're off. He's the they're second off. best character. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I loved him. I loved him. And then they're, yeah, they they go into like a 1985 probably uh, Woody uh, station wagon and some sick fucking guns mounted to it, and they're headed towards headed mm-hmm. towards Dead Reckoning. And he's track. Yeah, Riley's tracking it, tracking him down with this homing device that he planted on Dead Reckoning because it. It turns out he was contracted to build the damn machine for Kaufman. And he gets there. Cholo lets him in. That's, that goes back to the scene we talked about earlier where he kind of saves Cholo's life, uh, kicking him aside from, from some gunfire that's mm-hmm. taking place. And uh, I think it's right here where John Leguizamo gets bit, isn't it? Or it's right after this scene. Yeah, it's, it's – well, it's, it is that same scene. Yeah, we have – I mean, we have some cool stuff going on. We, we find out that that one chick, she's, she's hardcore, uh, I would say, Team Kaufman. Um, mm-hmm. that is, would you guys think about some of the kills on here? I guess. I mean, the zombies and the kills personally, I'll go first real quick here. I thought the zombies for the most part looked fantastic. Less the digital effects. I love Nicotero Savini. They did a great job with the, the zombie effects and the makeup. There are some pretty cool kills. The matador guy, that was a pretty cool kill. The CGI part just had me like uh, wince a little bit because if you remember his, he was headless and his head was yeah. held on by like it looked like the carotid artery or something. And he yes. flipped it back up, right you know, head banging to like cemetery gates, and then fucking bites him in the hand. Um, That's the, that sucks for Leguizamo. No, not Leguizamo. That was the Matador guy, the one that had the patch on his shoulder. Um, oh fuck yeah, 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 yeah. Lose his allegiance by <laughs> wait, wait, you got to slap a bitch. He he fucking knocks up. <laughs> <laughs> He, he does, man. One chick, and he's like, "Dude, I'm team whatever you guys are. Let's, let's GTFO." Uh, but yeah, we get to Dead Reckoning. Some shit goes down, and then yeah, he lets him go. Basically, he's like, "I'm taking Dead Reckoning. You can go." So he lets him, and it almost looked like a younger version of Tom Savini. That's who I thought that guy the whole time. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, it's like young Tom Savini, his his sidekick. And I mean, I don't know. I, I loved. I, I will say I loved Cholo's character. I loved his choice of weapon. It was unique, extremely unpractical. But oh god, yeah! Like the whole like I'll reload it by leaning down, like giving up, yep. like I'm just like like to reload. It just makes no sense. It's cool as fuck to look at though. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Unique. Um, but yeah, he gets bit on the hand, and you're like, fucking game over, man. It, it, it kind of yeah. sucks, but. One of them had to, like, the thing is, one of them, like, if, if you're looking at it from a, a storytelling point of view, one of them has to get bitten, and it's never going right. to be Riley. You're right, you're right. It's never, yeah, it's no. never going to be Riley. I mean, and, and that's, that's the thing that sucks, because very much like yourselves, there's part, of me that res- there's part of me that respects both these characters for how upfront and honest they are about everything they do. Like, there's no airs or graces at all. Cholo, like, you know what his game is. He tells you what his game is. And Riley's exactly the same. There, there's no ulterior motive. It's, I'm doing this to get to my secluded place up north. I'm doing this to get my uh, suite inside the, you know, the the, the, the hotel. That's that's the, the, two, the two goals of those characters. And yes, they walk different paths to get to those. Um, but at the same time, both can't survive to the end. Like narratively speaking, the the righteous character, quote unquote, of Riley has to be the one 
at the end of this movie. I think Otherwise, it's awesome that Leguizamo yeah. gets bit because you get the scene you get in a little while. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, yep. So, well, as far as zombie effects and makeups and kills, if you were asking about that, I do want to say the zombie makeup looks amazing. Um, I'd say the makeup is on par with Day of the Dead. The effects, they're obscured in darkness, um, a lot of them. But this movie does have an overall dark tone, so I kind of accept it for that reason. So the practical effects I still did enjoy. Not quite as much as Day of the Dead, but I think those were a little bit more on display um, more often and the CGI. Yeah. I mean, it could, it can, it's not the worst CGI. No, it's not. It's not the worst. So we are going to overuse it either. I think that's the thing. They don't over like, it, like if this was a, this was a zombie movie. Now that CGI blood spot, I think it would be like a hundred bullets in a one body and it'd be like, right. it'd just be, it'd be nauseating. I think there's a, there's a, almost a, a level of, Right, I, I understand that I have to do this. You're forcing me to do this, like digital effects and all the rest. But I'm going to limit the exposure of it. Um, and I think that works to its credit. It is, I mean, this movie is now 16 years old. Um, so when you sit and you watch it, some of that stuff doesn't age well. Um, other stuff surprisingly age well. But the blood, the blood spray, the, the kind of bullet effect and, all, and whatnot, it isn't the best, but... I think like what you guys are saying, I can point to other movies that are older than this where you can see those kind of blood impact things that look fucking awful. So um, it, do, it does the job. I'm very much like yourselves. Is it, is the danger of going bigger budget? We now have huge amounts of military. We have all these weapons and all the guns. Like, you're never going to... You might as well fling on an extra five million here if we're going to be using blood squibs and all the rest. It's never going to happen. All right, folks, we're going to take 60 seconds and we will be back to wrap up the movie with our final thoughts and ratings. Okay, so we are back wrapping up the movie. I mean, we're getting to the point where everything's wrapping up. The zombies have pretty much taken over not only the city, but Fiddler's Green as well. This idyllic kind of safe haven that they've built from the zombies is kind of the thing that's going to be their demise. They made a good point in the movie saying that this, it's, it's, we only have to protect one side. We have a river. It's a triangle. So we have a river on two sides of it, and then we have this electrified fence on the backside. So the zombies cross the river. You can imagine it's pushing all of them towards the back of, of I guess, that part of the city as well. So we know Cholo's been bitten. We kind of just forget about him. Although, I mean, I don't know if anybody really forgets about we we kind of even back when I saw this movie in 05, you knew that Leguizamo's or Cholo's story wasn't over quite yet. Yeah. Right. But we're seeing Kaufman at this point here with his butler, and he's I mean, you see the brutality and just the manipulation with him because he outside the the elevator, he meets his only other kind of real board member, I guess, that we see. And he does the whole like, oh hey, look right behind you, and then boom, shoots him. Is <laughs> <laughs> is juvenile and simple as that scene was. I when I watched it this time around, I was just thinking about how brutal it is because he, I mean, he didn't put the, I mean, like the way he just had the gun positioned, it was like in the base of his skull behind him, mm. just. 
oh man, that was, you don't see that very often. You know, they may, they really make it kind of like a, like a spectacle and he I, just I, put it. I, I got to add to that. Yeah. I, I found, no, it is disturbing looking in a way, but it also made me laugh because of how unexpected I, I didn't remember that. Den- I wanted to say that a minute ago. I did not remember that Dennis Hopper was even in this movie. So when he turns around in the chair and I'm like, well, I saw it in the credits, so I was expecting yeah. him to show up, but I was like, oh, he's the guy. And I'm like, I don't remember a crazy Dennis Hopper role. And so he kind of reinvents himself-ish in this character um, by, by doing something different that, that's not expected. But the way he murders his other board member came out of nowhere. It was so, it almost felt like a gag where you say, hey, look over there. And then they smack the guy <laughs> with a lamp and he falls down unconscious so you can sneak into wherever you're sneaking into. It's like, wait, you just, what? And then right away, the whole alternative was that uh, Cholo was going to blow up Fiddler's Green with, with De- Dead Reckoning if he wasn't paid like $5 million bucks or whatever by midnight. Uh, the money doesn't come through, and Hopper knew, Kaufman knew he was never going to pay it, so he's on his way out, and he's murdering fucking people. He gets the phone call right away that they've got Dead Reckoning back. It's no problem, and he's like, oh, well, I just did something that I might not have done otherwise. Might not have done otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he is a brutal motherfucker, man. And are, are, are we here? Are we at the scene where Big Daddy fucking yeah. wrecks shop? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fucking Big Daddy and Dennis Hopper have a shootout or, or a showdown, a face-off. And Dennis Hopper is a bad, a bad shot. He can't shoot to save his life. Um, him and his butler get down into the basement to get into his little escape limo. The butler's opening the garage hanger while Hopper, or Kaufman, I keep fucking that up, hops right into the limo and is having a whiskey or whatever while he's trying to call somebody. So, yep. Yeah. And his, he's got no cell phone reception. He starts cursing at his phone and throws it down. That, that was a little bit of Hopper in there. That was a little bit. Fucking Big Daddy is like, oh shit, this gasoline pump actually pumps real fucking gasoline. I can do my job again. Go back to the beginning of the movie. Yep. <laughs> he smashes through the windshield, and you think he's going to tear into it and fucking get uh, Kaufman? Nah. He, he's like, dude, this is where your gas tank is, bro, and he's just filling up your, your car. <laughs> right? That's the way it seems. Yep. That's what I thought. But nah, homeboy, homeboy walks out. He's like, I'm out of here. Fuck this shit. So Kaufman's like, oh. Okay, I guess I guess I'm all right. He goes and gets his little satchels that have whatever the fuck in them. And who do we get? The grand return, huh? Well, as you say, it's money. Which well, yeah, yeah, it's his worth. It's his worthless money. Like whoever the who cares what's in it? That that shit ain't worth crap. It's the zombie apocalypse. Cholo fucking returns, man, and he's shadow clad. You don't even see his ass. He's just walking up and uses his little what? It's a spear gun, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Uses his spear gun. He gets shot a bunch of times. Uh, Kaufman says some racist shit, and then and then he gets sneak attacked, and it's fucking zombie Cholo. Now, do you think that his final gunshot killed Cholo and turned him into a zombie, or do you think he was a zombie who could remember how to use his gun the whole time, which is not outside of the realm of possibility for this film? I think question, Duncan. Time. You go ahead, Duncan. I was, I was going to say, like, my, my kind of read on it was he'd already turned, but like, just because what we've seen before, he, like, he's turned, but because it's that they're already adapting, it's just second nature to him. That's his weapon, so he can do that. But I would also 
I don't think it's it's not it's not like it's not stated empirically one way or the other. So part of me likes the idea of the story art being that with his final like living, like uh, breathing idea, he shoots some with that. Then turns out the zombie and then the baser like instinct of just gonna eat this motherfucker like springs out. But like I originally read it that he'd already turned, but I'd, like I'd, that's me guessing. You know what I mean? That's what about you, Cole? You thinking? Yeah, no, I, I 100% think that he was he was turned. Um, I mean, I do like the lighting because you, you know Tibu's right because it it was, it was shot well. I mean, there was some pretty good lighting effects where it kind of left yeah. it ambiguous, but I felt at least that it was pretty heavily implied that he was already a zombie, and he was the only to- reason. This is I think he wasn't yet, and this is why because right when uh, Kaufman. Is, is being racist and shoots him the last time, he falls down, which zombies don't typically do when they get shot. Zombies That's don't the mercy kill ones that are fucking burning on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, I said, typically, typically. <laughs> All right. I could be wrong. I'm just saying. I'll be a first. Well, you know what? None of it matters because big daddy fucking does what big daddy fucking does. He rolls a gas canister down the, into the garage because all the gasoline's been filling up in this car. Leguizamo Cholo Zombie is on top of Hopper Kaufman, Choffman, Boffman, and he's about to eat his ass, and they just explode. Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, who cares? I don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> what he movie fucking, are you talking about again? It blows up so exquisitely and grandly. I don't care if they're CGI, and I love the car explosion and how their bodies just go fuck. <laughs> Flying man, yeah. I don't know. I thought that was a blast, and I had a well <laughs> third pun of the night intended. <laughs> I, I had a fun time with with that with that final. Uh, you had a blast for those characters. I had a blast. Yep. Nice, very nice. That was some good shit. Yeah, I mean that's 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 kind of it. I mean Cholo comes home, you know, to make his bed, I guess. Yeah, and the other ones is they 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 escape the zombies. I'm kind of forgetting actually the the real. That's not the finale. Finale is it? I mean, for the most part, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, it's, you have, you have big daddy rolls a canister down. You think he, he kind of leaves, uh, you know, uh, Kaufman to his vices, rolls yeah. that propane tank down, kablooey. And I mean, the last scene we get is Riley coming up. I mean, the whole point, like you said before, they were coming back to, I guess, kind of save the city or the town because everybody's getting pushed towards this electric fence. And Riley wanted That's to what it is, yeah. An electric fence yeah. up. And they get there, and it looks like everybody's dead, and they're not. And then they blow the zombies up. He hops on Dead Reckoning. And you have a final cool scene with, with uh, Pillsbury, which is fucking awesome. Love that guy. And Oh, it's like a, mm-hmm. it's like a cop-out scare that you would think. Yep. Oh shit! But no, nah, yeah, Pillsbury takes care of that that fucking nonsense. Yep, yep, yeah. You get the 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 hundred percent. If you didn't know this movie was in two thousand five, the dude that's running the electronic <laughs> inside Dead Reckoning with his like little beret on, he'll tell you he's probably like jamming <laughs> out to um, uh, spine shank new disease or some bullshit, and like, hey, guess what? <laughs> this is what year we're in. Yeah. <laughs> the movie, you yeah, the 24/7. <laughs> the movie never begging like for that. a rain check. 
Sorry, one <laughs> biscuit's like falling up now. <laughs> oh no, what are you doing to me? It 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 does end sort of like with everyone getting what they want, right? Like uh, not everyone, but some people get exploded. No, but uh, <laughs> Riley gets to go up north and he gets to take his friends with him, and uh, Big Daddy gets a whole city of zombies. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty neat. It's funny because I believe I don't remember if it was Duncan or Tibu that opened up the episode with the quote unquote Romero line, but the movie ends with the most, I mean, I would say generic and cheesy Romero line, but it, you, you kind of have to have it where the, the one chick with the pigtails is looking at big daddy and she's about ready to light him up. And you have Riley saying, no, don't do it. They're just like us. They're just trying to find a place to go. I'm like, get them. Yeah. Light them <laughs> up. I feel I feel that. No, I feel it. <laughs> I, I, I like I like that I like that cheesy on the nose truth shit. I like it. Well, um, what I'm learning on this recording right now is if this movie was to happen right now, uh, <laughs> T Boone would be our Riley character, and um, well, we all know who's going to be Cholo. <laughs> Light them up, <laughs> burn them down. <laughs> Light them up. Hell yeah. Well, it's just going to be like in those stereotypical movies. Like, yeah, you don't kill him now. And then five years later, yeah. he's eating your fucking grandchild or something. Yeah, they, they, they don't, yeah, they don't remember that you, you gave them mercy as well. No. <laughs> like, so. Um, yeah. Let's take uh, uh, like, like one or two minutes here real quick. We've talked a little bit about the social commentary or the themes or whatnot. I mean, uh, Duncan's got a pretty good take on this. I'll just quickly go ahead and, because you, you had something outside of, I guess, the classism part, but. The classism, 100%, I mean, that's kind of in your nose uh, as far as that goes. You have, um, you know, your rich white guy who is in power. Uh, you've got your black butler, and then you've got your Mexican or South American worker in Cholo. So pretty pretty on the nose um, as far as that goes. I mean, what do you guys have as far as interpretations or what you thought about this? And so, yeah, the only other thing I would add is I think there's a bit of, there's a bit of commentary. I, I mean, I think um, Dennis Hopper himself said that he based his performance on then Secretary of State Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's, there is a bit of that in there. I think the idea of the zombies equipping themselves with the tools of their oppressors um, is, is a nod, more than, like, a, a slight nod towards, you know, like, Al-Qaeda, essentially, arming themselves with American weapons to take down you know strongholds. I think that I think there's I think there's a bit in that there for sure. It, it certainly becomes more prominent in terms of the messaging, um, and the next one, survival of the dead, like starts to go down that road of more kind of abstract commentary on on war. But yeah, like this is this is Romero doing what Romero does. Like this is him taking a look at society as it stands. Some you know, almost 40 years on from when he first took a look at society and he's like, guess what? Greed still reigns supreme. People, The, the little guy's still being trampled on. Um, and yeah, if you all just banded together, if you all, if, can't we all just get along? You know, like if we all, like if we all did a bit of that, then you have the power yourselves to, to overtopple um, the, your, your oppressors. So, I mean, it's all, it's all there. It's, like it's all there. To be honest, it's it's shades of the same messaging that he's had in pretty much all of his movies. Um, it just like the 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 seasoning on top is just different depending on what movie you get, and it works. It really, really, really does work. I mean, like I said before, you watch this in twenty twenty one, and all the messaging in this one is still 
100% relevant. Like it couldn't be any more relevant if it tried. So I, I don't, I, I don't pick anything else out there. I think he's, he's a bit. There's part of him that I think in the past he would be a bit coy on how he was like. Is that a thing? Well, you know, maybe I meant this, or maybe I did. I never intended it to be this. And this one, it's kind of hard to argue what the messaging is. Yeah. Even though, like, when you meet a character called Cholo, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's <laughs> who's doing all the dirty work. Yep. You know, knows where all the bodies are buried. I, it's, it's difficult not to see that being on the nose. I think I have a big missed opportunity without having Venom on this episode. But yes, I think you could maybe add a bit more, uh, a bit more um, depth to the the review. But as you know, I mean, there's there's a bit of that. Is he's not? Every, I don't think he's hiding behind his messaging in this no, movie. In other movies, he's maybe he, he could argue things against it. I think he. He would be quite silly if he said, "Well, no, you're looking too much into that." It feels like he's—he's he's, he, this is his opportunity to do things. He's not had a chance to make one of these movies in a while. He hadn't made a movie in five years up until this point. The previous movie being Bruiser, and he's got the money. He's got the opportunity to make a statement. There's a budget here. Here's the message. I don't want you to get muddled. I don't want it to get lost. I don't want anyone to be like even remotely thinking about it. Here it is, and it still works. Yeah. No. I. I, I... You know, when I had all of all, all of you as in the guests on, I gave you guys free reign to choose movies for the most part. But there is a few certain ones I wanted to pick certain movies, and 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 I want. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to join us because I wanted your perspective on what is considered the downward spiral of the trio. So yeah, um, yeah. So no, I I mean, Tibu, anything you want to add to the 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 social commentary part? the the themes or whatnot of this yeah I'll, I'll do all that and i'll just you know general the the likes dislikes to wrap my shit up and then um, yeah just go ahead and give us your rating i guess yeah just carry us into that we'll let um i mean so so my whole idea of how this is going to go is is tibu is gonna gonna get us hard um <laughs> i am gonna get us to the blue ball point and, and duncan's gonna 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 finish us off so uh, all right <laughs> well good, so for Foreplay is the most essential part, so here I go. You, <laughs> you said, you yeah, said shades of the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you say shades of the same message. Um, I agree. And while I didn't have the running theme of of the Iraq War in my mind watching this movie, even though I knew it was a 2005 film, I did, I just didn't look at it that way. But I think that plays even more into what you were saying, Duncan. That the theme is just timeless. And that's what I yeah. saw was the hierarch hierarchical, I can't say that word, um, system that, that you're born into this. The zombies are basically born into the being the zombies. They weren't, they returned, but they didn't have a choice. We don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. We're just here. So the zombies are trying to not be oppressed. And this is the beginning of that. Um, I don't know where diary or survival is where those films are going to go with these themes. I haven't seen the diary. I saw once back when it came out, don't even remember it survival. I've, I've never seen. So the, 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 that's what I see in the social commentary is the same. It's an age old story of just, mm-hmm. yeah, there's powerful, rich people on top controlling everything. Uh, yeah. Romero. He, he, he was, he was, <laughs> he was more woke than woke. Um, Likes, I mean, I've run through a lot of those. My dislike of the film is that it didn't give enough uh, breathing room to some of its characters. We needed more time fleshed out with Cholo and Riley and their relationship. 
and I think the third act, af well, everything after um, Dead Reckoning being captured, that's just, see, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sitting there in an editing bay with the film, but they just should have had more character development. Maybe instead of being an hour and a half, this movie should have been two hours long, is, is really what it is. Maybe it just needed more time. All of that being said, I was very surprised with this movie and how much I enjoyed it and how much, how, how like Duncan said earlier, he kind of feels cheated out of a decade and a half of not watching it. I will revisit this movie, look forward to revisiting this movie, and I'm going to come in today, per our conversation, I'm going to come in with an 8 out of 10 for Land of the Dead. I, I had probably seen this movie more times than than you two, I guess. I, I've always, part of that is, is, is zombies are my favorite subgenre by far. I, I've just always gravitated towards zombies. I mean, it's what got me into the horror genre in itself. I love this movie. The biggest thing has been a couple of years since I had seen it. The biggest thing coming back is just, you know, and, and again, watching this in succession with the previous ones, the zombies look great. The gore looks great. I mean, there are, if there's one thing that we should have done more on this review is talk about some of the kills because there are some fantastic kills, you know, even mm -hmm. the one kill, which might've been the best kill had it been on camera, but it was still a fantastic kill because you know, it's a whole idea of leaving it up to your, 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 your mind is what we talked about with the head being pulled off. You get the, the you get the, the, the camera shot with the shadow and you see the guy's, you know, head being pulled off with part of his spine coming out. I mean, your brain, you know, is going to, is going to probably give you a lot more detail than what's going to be on mm. film. And he's also fucking spine. The, out. Also the scene where it's kind of in the dark, but when they rip the face off the skull. Yes. Yep. Yeah, peeling that one was awesome. On, peeling his skin. Yeah, there there are some really fantastic. I mean, we're dogging a little bit on the on the the, the digital effects, but truth be told, what you guys had both mentioned before, this is from 2005. This is 16 years old. This is actually yeah. pretty good and it holds up pretty well. Luckily for us, most of the, the the biggest problem I have with the digital effects or CGI part are when it kind of you know, overtakes the majority of the film. And this is in the background. Like Duncan said, a lot of it is, is used with the, the, the skyscapes, you know, the, the city. Most of what we see is going to be practical, practical kills, the effects, the gore, the blood. So that really did help. A couple of the nitpicks I have, you know, character, um, you know, the development. We already talked about my whole idea with Riley and Cholo. I mean, otherwise... I, I, this is a really fun movie. I would say out of all of the, the, the Romero, I would say the six, this would be the one that I would be able to pop on. And it was like that mix of like an action kind of, I mean, it's something that's just fun that I can watch and have on in the background. Um, because there's really, I mean, it sounds bad to say there's not as much substance, but there's not as much substance kind of thing because it is more kind of actiony compared to, you know, I mean, even from the other ones we're going to talk about with, survival and diary as well but i do i do I'll, I'll go as far as say as i love this movie and i'm going to come in at an eight out of ten um or i'm sorry 8.5 out of 10 i was looking at i had my score written down here tibu is at an eight i'm coming at 8.5 because i really do love it i do watch this movie on a fairly regular occasion so before i hand it over to duncan to finish us off i have a couple of questions for the both of you and this is considered, so we talked about previously in the last few episodes, the, the original three. 
this is what's considered the falling off point of, you know, this is where we're pinnacle that a lot of people have day of the dead as their favorite. And then we're kind of, you know, coming back down in, into that Valley. So why do you guys think this one falls off so much? I know we talked about that. It is fairly well received, but on the flip side, as much as it, as it is fairly well received, this one is quite a bit hated too by those same people. Um, I almost look at it like, um, my all-time favorite band ever is Metallica and you have your 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 fans that say anything before the black album is is gold and the black album after is, you know but then you have a whole other you know contingent of fans that say the black album is their pinnacle so you know where do you guys kind of fall with this why do you think that this one kind of you know does translate to people as far as being you know the start of the downward spiral nine inch nails let me let me let me let me go first because Duncan's gonna have something better to say than me. Um, <laughs> I think I think when you when you follow up what's already considered a masterpiece with the original. I mean, it was even shot in black and white because it was cheaper, but whatever, it made it even more amazing for that that reason. Followed up by an even bigger hit with Dawn of the Dead. Followed up by a sleeper hit with Day of the Dead that now has the recognition. You wait 20 years to make your next film and you incorporate elements that the horror community is already not fans of like CGI and your characters aren't as strong. I mean, I think that's why this is considered if they're, you know, again, I haven't seen the other two films yet to, to, to say anything about, but this would be to me why you consider it the beginning of the downward spiral and why it gets its hate is because of the time, the gap, it's a gap of time. I think that's really what it comes down to is time in a real life, real world factor. I think that's what it is. Um, I think I don't disagree with that to, to, to an extent. I, I think the one of the biggest problems is that he's no longer the guy who does zombie movies. If you know what I mean? Like he had yeah. a monopoly on zombie. He is the guy who essentially invented the form of zombie that we associate now that's completely taken over the pop culture. There were movies before Night of the Living Dead that contained zombies in them, but they weren't zombies like we now know them. You can chart that right back. And he was the big fish in the small pond when he was doing those movies, up through Dawn of the Dead, you know, arguably the definitive uh, zombie movie ever made. Uh, Day of the Dead, like we mentioned, which is a sleeper hit. Um, for sure, um, it's a movie that every time I watch, I love more. You know, I, I find another aspect uh, I think is even even better on the rewatch. That time away, in a lot of respects, makes people hungry for it. But then a movie like Twenty Eight Days Later comes out and kind of just changes the way that we look at those. And there's a whole argument about whether they're you know zombies or not, and we're not going to get into that. Um, like what post. 28 days later, the landscape changes and Romero doesn't necessarily change with that landscape. He's still making a Romero movie and whilst I think there's a huge swath of fandom out there that want that, they're now, they're now looking at it in a different time period uh, with a different set of rules. As a filmmaker, to get his film made, he is having to make... In the past, he was... He, well, up until day, he had a lot of control by this point, he doesn't have as much control. He's basically fighting with producers who get exactly what they want. Um, I'm I'm kind of with the with Travis here. I think that 
this movie shouldn't be an hour and a half. This movie should be a minimum an hour and three quarters. There's plenty of story to tell here. And we cut it right down, so we take out all those interesting aspects. So it kind of feels like a shell of a movie. It is the fun one. This, to me, is, you know, this is the, the one that is the, you don't have to think about it too much. You can shove it on. You can go make yourself a coffee and have it still playing and come back and comfortably sit down and watch it because you've not missed much. You've maybe missed some kills, but you've not missed much in the way of intricate storytelling or character dynamics or anything like that. And that's the difference. I just think there are a whole lot of people that their first experience of George A. Romero will be Land of the Dead. Right, that's their first movie they've seen by this guy because they saw Dawn of the Dead the year before, and as a result, they watched it. They loved it. It was, you know, it was that zombie stuff that they wanted. It was great, and then they went back, checked out his other stuff, and be like, "Well, this stuff's bitching." But that's an entry level. Very much the Black Album analogy is a great one because, like, there's a lot of people that had never listened to a Metallica song before they heard the Black Album. Mm-hmm. So that's their Metallica, and then they hear Kill 'Em All, and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. You know, like it's like, it's like a, this isn't the same band. Um, so you know, there's, is that there's that entry level of there. If you're old school Romero, if you're that guy that's kind of watched him be this indie filmmaker that really revolutionised and carved out his career, there's a part of that that feels like the guy sold out. Oh, this is a, it's a big studio movie now, and oh, it's a 15 million budget, and you're away shooting <laughs> up in Canada, and look at the digital effects, and look, this guy's sold out. What they don't know is the struggle. The struggle is that Romero could not get a film greenlit after Bruiser, couldn't get one done, no one would finance him at all, and it took a remake of one of these movies in order for Universal to say, right, right we're going to finance this dead movie that you want to do. So they don't understand that, I don't think this, 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 to me, this isn't a huge drop off from the top three. It's nowhere near on the same technical level, storytelling level or whatever. This is his fun movie. This is, his, like, this is the one where I think he has the, the most like upfront, no, yeah, upfront cunt sort of view of what his movie is. This is the message. This might be the last one he ever gets to do. And he's got money to do it. And here it's here. It's messy. It's not even but the messaging's on point. There's no arguing with the messaging. Here it's here. This is what George A. Romero stands for. Boom, deal with it. And it does what it does well. It did well. It did better than we thought it did. Mm-hmm. So much so that he got another two out of it. Yeah. So, man. you know, like to see that it's, it's a difficult one because I think this is a, I think this movie's better than Bruiser. So I think Bruiser's a, is, is an okay movie. I think this one's a much better movie. So you know, like, it's, it's a downward spiral in the terms of the three quote-unquote masterpieces that he made before, but it's not a bad movie. He did movies in between that weren't as, the one is nearly as good as this. Right. So, it's all relative. If we're holding it against his of the dead movies, it's the fourth one for me. It's the fourth one in order of how I like them. But I don't dislike it. Yeah. But if I look at it against Romero's back catalogue, He's got at least two or three movies before this one that I don't think are a patch on this. Yeah. So it's a level, it's a level up because he's back doing what he's he's known for and good at. So it's a hard, it's a hard one, man, because it's very easy to say, well, this is where the this is where the decline starts. I don't think this is where the decline of the of the dead movies start. It's not where the decline of George A. Romero started. Yeah. That happened in the nineties. So okay, so I apologize. I know we're keeping you long here, but I do have another question. I have to ask. Go for it. So, so there's the argument that 
and, and we touched a little bit on this on a previous episode, but part of it is, is just the charm of the Romero movies come with, I would say the ingenuity that having basically no budget creates. So this obviously is, I want to say, I think it was three and a half million for day of the dad back in 85, which isn't going to translate that well to the 15 million for this one. But 15 million for a movie in today's dollars is for horror movies, a pretty big budget. I mean, yeah. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. $15 million for a horror movie budget in 2005 is pretty, I mean, that's, that's a big fucking budget. Do you, do you guys think that I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question? I think you guys know where I'm going with this, but yeah. do you think that without this budget, he could have produced something even better that might not be better as far as, you know, having John Leguizamo and Dennis Hopper, but having him be at more control of what he wants done as far as his own idea with the budget, the story. Because we know that this one is kind of carrying over some of the ideas he had from Day of the Dead, but there's always, ultimately what it boils down to is, is that part of the, the, the darling part of the Romero movies are just him having a shit fucking budget but making gems. So do you guys think the budget of this helped or hindered it? And what do you think could have happened if he would have had a budget, a fraction of the cost, like $5 million, I would say 5 million would be probably on par with the three and a half million he got back in 85. What are your thoughts on that? Go ahead. Uh, Yep. Um, I think, I think you've got, I think there's a case in there. I think there's, there's some action scenes which benefit from having more money. It's just the bottom line. Like he obviously has a vision. He's got money that he's never used to having before, so he plays with it. That make that might actually have an impact in the actual storytelling, like the the, ca- the actual character interactions that we're talking about, where we want between uh, Cholo and um, and Riley, that we don't get are almost substituted because, like, had this been all shot in a bunker, a la Day of the Dead, you don't have that option, so they have to interact. Um, but we have we have like space to play with and things to blow up, and people to kill, and all that. So there is that kind of shiny new toy sort of aspect about it. And I think there's no argument ever that Georgie Romero always worked best when he had very little money, because that breeds a different sort of filmmaking. It's a filmmaking that only not only you're in control of, but it's a filmmaking where you actually, you live in, like, you're the only one to blame if it doesn't work. Um, and in the case of this one, there's a whole sea of producers that, like Romero can sit there and say, well, I, you know, I didn't get the vision I wanted because he wouldn't give me the money and, you know, all the rest. And then you've got producers saying he's so fucking difficult to work with because he just wanted money, money, money. Um, that I think, yeah, I think, like, it, it feels, for its length, it feels like some of these scenes are a bit bloated. It feels like it does affect a bit of the character interaction, which you would have been, which would have been first and foremost at the front of the movie if he didn't have the budget to blow things up. So I, I think I think there's a bit of credence in there. And it also answers a question where people were like, well, Day of the Dead, you know, I really wish you'd just given them all the money that he wanted to go make that bigger budget movie instead of this small in a bunker movie and all the rest. Yeah. Well now you've seen now you've seen Romero with a budget. Maybe, that, maybe that's yep, maybe that maybe maybe we, maybe the guys knew better at the time. Yeah, maybe he works better with less. with that three and a half instead of seven million. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, and I was going to say, I'm going to keep it succinct so we can, so we can uh, get to your rating. Um, 
I agree a hundred percent with everything you said. And I, I knew you would say something better the first for the first question. Fucking <laughs> hey, man, that was, that was an awesome answer. I was enthralled. Um, but I agree with, with all that and with how you capped it off, because I was thinking about it while you were talking and I'm like, well, day of the dead is his character study with his low budget and land of the dead is his big budget. So, you know what? We could get more Cholo and Riley, but we got day of the dead. We've yeah. got characters in Day of the Dead. We've got characters in Dawn of the Dead. That's a big character movie too. And it's fun. So Land of the Dead to me is, or Dawn is like Land and Day kind of mixed up. Day to me is more the character driven. To me, Day is the darkest one. But Land, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a fun fucking movie. And I'm, I'm glad we had this conversation about it to get me to fucking, I guess, see it in that way too. I had a ball watching it. A lot of scenes made me laugh too, but yeah, this, this is the fun one. <laughs> I'm glad I can put kind of kind of like a, a seal of approval on that. This is the fun Romero zombie movie. Awesome. Well, um, again, we're, we're, we're all right there. We're, we're, we're so close. We're so close. We're going to let uh, Duncan finish us off here with his final likes, dislikes, and rating. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, years in the making coming back to this one, but... Uh, like I say, I, I do feel a bit guilty that I've had the opportunity to watch this as much uh, in the past and haven't. Um, it's one that I, I, I just wouldn't instinctively reach for, but it's you know it's one that I will definitely very much like Travis was saying, this is going to be one that I'm going to watch again and again from this point onwards. Mostly because the fun is the key word here. It's the messaging still there. It's just in a different package. And it feels like th- there's a there's an enthusiasm in the movie that comes from a guy who's been desperate to try and get something out and finally being allowed to do it. Um, I think it has flaws. Some of its character developments a bit flawed. There's a couple of cliches in here, characters. We mentioned Aja Argento's Slack character earlier on. Like Those sort of things are in there. Do they need to be in there? Uh, do they add anything to the story? Uh, you know, you can, you can kind of squint there. But he managed to at least get some incredible practical effects in these movies, some great creature designs, which I appreciate. Like that's what I'm looking for from, from like a Romero zombie movie is where has the technology went uh, and how's these zombies going to look in the next movie? I think all that's great. I think some of this casting is, is, is completely on point and the messaging's cool. I think, yeah, it is. It's, it could be a bit longer. It could be longer and more streamlined, but it's the one that's it's the one that is noticeably different from the rest. Filming technique aside, uh, which you're going to get to later on, um, it's the one that's noticeably different from the rest. And in that, it has a great degree of merit. And it's the one that you can link to and say, like we say, that's the fun one. This is the one that you can sit down. It's the big budget. This is the aliens of the of the the dead franchise you know this is the all the the bombs everything going off you know um and, and, and there's part of me that really likes that there's part of me that can can, can get kind of get behind that because not one of these movies after this is like this uh, whereas you could argue you could argue certain movies feel very much like other entries in there a bit too close he's still playing with similar ideas this one's the one that isn't like the rest and that that holds that holds its weight. For me, I think overall, grade-wise, I'm coming in just slightly below you guys. Um, I'm going to come in with a 7.5, but that's because this is my second time watching it in the full time it's existed. I can see this one going up. 
I can see me wow. sitting down next year watching this and going, ah, this is an eight. This is an eight. I, you know, I, I genuinely like this. And maybe even beyond that. It's one that I've been scared to revisit for a while. It's going to be interesting because I've not seen, I've not seen Survival or Diary since they both came out as well. And I, I will now continue my journey through with the rest of your series um, and see how I get on with that. Because I could be in the same position. I could be like, I could be sitting down watching Survival going, actually, this is a fucking a lot better than I remember it being. Um, because to me, this is the last. This is the last one. I wasn't big on Survival at all. And I really, I really didn't like Diary. And, you know, enough times passed that I haven't watched them. I might get around there, it's but it's been, been I, I can't see them yet either. So I mean, yeah, for this this series here. So. Yeah, I, I I can't wait for that. I, I I just wanted like once again say thank you very much for inviting me on. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to sit down and do this one. Picking this one, I'd like had you just given me carte blanche like you did maybe some of the other hosts. I wouldn't have picked this movie. Um, and I'm kind of glad that you you kind of force my hand that way because I've had a great experience doing it and I had a blast. So yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, it's been it's Fucking been a ball, a. guys. It's been a ball. Yes. No, a. I I mean so Boss Tuna comes in at eight point five, Tibu comes in at an eight, Duncan comes in at a very respectable seven point five. Again, I want to thank yeah. you very, very much for uh joining us. I know again we're keeping you up. It's late like fucking scotland's like a day and a half ahead of us it's it's um it's still daylight so, some people some people would argue it's about 20 years behind you but that's okay <laughs> yeah something like that something like that so uh again again congrats on the summer series it was excellent you did fantastic congrats on uh the new baby congrats on well yeah yeah Just, thank you again i mean i know yeah scheduling was not ideal so i i very much appreciate that pimp your wares real quick uh tell us where our our our, our friends yeah. and listeners can find you dude I, I, I want to stress if you ever want me back on this time is fine for me this is kind of how i do most of the american shows so anytime anytime i just send it then invite. i'll be back in a heartbeat i've had a, an absolute ball doing this um podcast under the stairs is the main show it's the one that is, what What did we say, 977 episodes. It'll be over 1,000 before the year's out, um, oh. which I don't know. I think that might make, I don't think there's any other, I don't think there's any other horror podcast has the, the number that I have. Drop um, them big nuts on all them motherfuckers. <laughs> Do it. I think, um, I, I will stress that people will tell me it's, it's more... Uh, quality rather than quantity but fuck them uh so yeah so yeah, the, the pod <laughs> podcast under the stairs is the main one it can be found wherever you listen to podcasts um i have a spin-off sister feed called the teapots collective which contains four other shows that i do which is where to begin with which is just me picking a theme and then running like movies in an order that I would suggest to get someone into that theme. So we've done uh, JAL movies in the first season, second seasons on film footage and uh, full documentaries. Alongside that, I do a show called Opera Omnia, which looks at a director's body of work exclusively for a full season with a resident host who oh, joins me and go through Mr. all their movies. He was on that recently with you, I believe. He was. He, he did uh, Ben Wheatley with me. He'll be back on actually super soon to finish off Ben Wheatley before Ben Wheatley releases The Meg 2 which means he'll be back for that one for which talking about giant sharks. Um, I also do <laughs> doing, doing the nasty, which is a video nasties podcast currently working through the tier three video nasties. So I did the ones on the prosecuted list and then the non-prosecuted 
This is the the ones where the British censors didn't want you watching anyway, regardless. They wouldn't find you or send you to prison for it. Uh, for a bit of background, check out Censor, which dropped this year. It's a good explanation of how mental the UK was during that. And then the other one's Chronicle, which is a European horror-only podcast that picks a theme and runs runs through them. All that can be found at tputzcast, that's T-P-U-T-S-C-A-S-T dot com. Awesome. Well, again, thank you very much. Uh, we are honoured. This has been, I would say, by far the longest episode we've had. And <laughs> surprise, I surprise. Sorry for that. <laughs> I am not sorry at all. Uh, I think the side no. tangent went on. It's we're, been we're, a fucking blast. Yeah, so uh, with that, folks, I hope it was as good for you as it was for us. Hold on. Uh, cue the screeching sound effects, Tibu. Mr. Duncan, you you didn't think we were going to let you get out of here without running the gauntlet, did you? Oh, shit. <laughs> Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs, are you ready to run the gauntlet? It's if- nine inches. Yeah. <laughs> soft. Soft, yeah. And I'm a grower. <laughs> if you laugh, you lose. Just keep that in mind. Pizza or burgers? Pizza. Beer or liquor? Liquor. Hockey, football, baseball, or basketball? Basketball. Ass or titties? Ass. Dand or sit when you wipe? <laughs> what was that, sorry? Dand or sit when you wipe? Stand. Homebody or out with friends? Homebody. Fishing or hunting? Fishing. Cannibal Holocaust or a Serbian film? Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> rather go blind or rather go deaf? Blind. Top half of Hulk Hogan and bottom half of Margot Robbie or bottom half of Hulk Hogan and top half of Margot Robbie? First one. <laughs> Penis-sized nipples or nipple-sized penis? I, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to actually work out what that like. <laughs> oh, and nipple-sized penis. <laughs> That's a first. You can tape that up. <laughs> Rock or country? What was that, sorry? Rock or country? Rock. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Doggy or missionary? Doggy. Freddy, Jason, Michael, or Leatherface? Jason. Slasher, zombie, supernatural, or creature feature? Supernatural. Chucky or Leprechaun? Chucky. John Carpenter or Wes Craven? John Carpenter. Ari Aster or Jordan Peele? Ari Aster. 90s horror or 2000s horror? 90s horror. Hills Have Eyes, the original or the remake? The remake now, had you asked this question like last year, uh, it would have been the other way around. So uh, I've, I've, turned, I've turned hard on that movie in the last year. That's a correct answer. <laughs> No, no, it's not. <laughs> Slow burns or to the point? Slow burns. First horror movie you ever remember seeing? Frankenstein. Your favorite horror movie of all time? Today that you're asking me, my favorite horror movie of all time is The Shining. Yeah. That is also a correct answer. That Mr. McLeish is the gauntlet. You have survived it. Again, thank you very much for joining us. It is an honor and Again, we are, we, are, we are stoked to have you on. Thank you again. Thanks very much, guys. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you, man. 